Hey there, internet friends. Welcome to That D Plus Show. Class is in session for the only show from that nerdy site that lets you know what kind of quality to expect right from the name. I'm your host, Trevor Starkey, and each week I'm joined by guests to talk about a Disney Plus offering of their choosing. This show is made possible entirely by the support of our patrons over at patreon.com slash thatnerdysite. So if you like the show and you can support us over there, we would definitely appreciate it. But if you can't, no big deal. The fact that you're listening is awesome. And of course, we would love it if you like, subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with your friends. Joining me this week, we have Cameron Abbott back. How you doing, Cameron? Hey, what's going on, nerds? What is going on? And we have a very special guest, uh, one of my longest friends in this kind of podcasting community, Alex O'Neill from Rational Passions. How you doing, Alex? Hi, I'm good. How are you boys doing? Doing good. It was it was like the long-running kind of everybody that launched a new thing in this community. Like, you were one of the first guests that they would have on. Like, yeah. you were the first guest I had on, on Trove Talk back when I did that podcast mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, and, Make it, uh, and making then, the rounds, you know, yeah. just going, touching base with everybody, seeing how everyone's doing. You, like, you were, the, you were the veteran of us. Like, back when Kind of Funny launched, you yeah. had already been doing, like, podcasting for years at that point. Yeah, so. I, was, I was already old. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, when you were, what, like, 21 or whatever? 21, probably 22 or something. <laughs> God, gross. Um, <laughs> I know. But, uh, Same. Uh, I agree. <laughs> it, it's it, yeah, because you got you're you've passed ten years at, at Irrational Passions at this point now. Yeah, uh, July third. Yeah. Coming up. Oh no. Oh, oh, you're coming up on ten years. I thought, yeah. I thought we'd already hit ten years with you guys. It's about uh, to well, happen. C- congrats on that. Um, so, Thank for you. those that don't know you, Alex, go ahead and give kind of the rundown of who you are, what Irrational Passions is. Um, I, I, if you, if you want to know three facts about me, I think that just sum it up and Irrational Passions, I found a site called Irrational Passions about video games, irrationalpassions.com. It's, there's stuff on it. It's been there for a long time. All right. You could like go there and then hit page 97 and there would be stuff still like that's where (laughs) we're at. Um, I, I like taking selfies and I cry about things a lot. Uh, (laughs) And those, in in a good way. Those <laughs> are those are three facts that indeed I think sum you up. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> that's like you get the round idea of of the kind of person I am. Which is to say, like I've been working on this for a long time. Um, I am pro male selfies, which I guess is like a, a hidden movement. I guess people are really self conscious about it, uh, and and kind of uh, gender bending everything all the way fully. Please. Uh, and uh, I uh, am very empathetic. That's Those are the three things you need to know. Uh, and Irrational Passions, I think, is those three things, I think, trying to always, like, surprise you and been at it for a long time and be empathetic. So uh, I put a lot of work into it over a long time, and both of you have contributed to it in the years. Uh, and I'd be weird at this point for people to have not ever heard of it, but I, that's also, like, super arrogant to say. But go check it out. It's about video games. <laughs> Yeah, rational passions. We I think that's. Uh, we, I think that way too long answer sums it up. <laughs> no, we no, absolutely not at all. We love we love the team of rational passions, uh, and and you have inspired many many of us in this community. So, um, shout out to you guys for being kind of the uh, the forerunners for for stuff yeah. like that nerdy site, stuff like OK Beast, uh, and and formerly Pixel Pulse and all that. Not um, the not the intention, but I love I love all no. the, the the undeserved credit we receive, but I, I'm just happy to be along for the ride. You know? I'm happy people invite me on their shows. Oh yeah. And we're, well, yeah. we're happy to have you. I'm happy to be here, you know. 
Yeah, we're happy to have you, especially for this this very episode, which is it's an interesting one because normally uh, I talk about, hey, this is the thing we're going to talk about, and then I throw to the guest as to like why they picked it, and I picked you for this episode, Alex. Yeah, so I didn't. Today I didn't we, pick anything. <laughs> yeah, today we are talking about Frozen because. I don't know anybody that loves Frozen and the Frozen Cineverse uh, <laughs> so much as Alex O'Neill. Um, so, uh, and and Frozen Two is is your favorite of the of the bunch? Is that am I correct in reading yeah, that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we will definitely have you on eventually for Frozen Two, but mm-hmm. I, I feel we had to work our way up to there. So today is all going uh, to be all about Frozen, uh, and. Uh, rather than uh, tell me why you picked Frozen, because you didn't pick Frozen, um, tell me why you are so passionate uh, and and love Frozen so deeply, Alex. Mm. A very multi-layered question. Uh, I feel like I want to think about it for a second. I, I feel well, like while you think about it, I think I have a way of... Tell me if I'm wrong when I say this. Please. Alex didn't choose the frozen life. The frozen life chose Alex. I was going to say that earlier, too. Uh, <laughs> frozen chose me was what I was going to say. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, so I'll, I'll say this, right? Like, in, was it 2013 is when Frozen came out? Yep. Um, I never saw it in theaters, which is a real bummer. Um, mm. And and I, I was kind of late to the party on it. Uh, I saw it in February, like, when Oscar nominations came up again because it was one of those things where i'd heard so much about it um and people hated it for whatever reason <laughs> you, you you'd heard the song probably a million times at that point i i had i hadn't heard let it go until i saw the movie wow um which boy i was not i'll let y'all know were you were you, were you in a coma for four months no, that i, I just, just completely missed i you know i don't listen to the radio actually i guess i guess we didn't we didn't know each other because this all predates any of like any, any of us knowing each other yeah i'm thinking uh so yeah 2014 so this would be just months before we would meet each other though um or a year and a few months um yeah. but yeah i so i i mean i don't listen to the radio um so i like i wouldn't and i, I don't like anyone who knows me knows like i just don't know how people find music <laughs> like i i know how people find music but i'm just very like i'm gonna like listen to carly ray, Je- ray jepson just put out an album i'm gonna listen to that album for the next six months like yeah. that's that's music for me for six months now because that's just how i consume music it's very slow i like to listen to the same thing over and over again and dissect it and familiarize yeah, we, myself with it i remember we talked about that back when you did the aforementioned trove talk uh uh like your non-gaming topic that we talked about was music and how that was like uh, that was an interesting tidbit about you was that you listened to an album and you just kind of repeatedly listened to that album for weeks or months on end uh in, enjoying it to its fullest extent yeah and i'm i'm weird with recommendations too because like music is one of those things where i've realized over time I'm so close to it, and and it really is like something that like I cry listening to music all the time. Like it, it's just a thing where like when I'm like I'm I'm a, like I said I, I I didn't mean to be like sound weird about it or arrogant about it, but like when I say empathetic, I just like I get very emotional when I feel like if I hear, hear something sad, like I get really sad or, or I get that that same pang of it. So like music's really really close to me for that. Um, but you know, that results in me kind of just kind of staying with a thing for long cause I'm so intimate with it. Uh, and I don't take a lot of recommendations, so I'm not listening to a lot of new music all the time, not exposed to places like the radio where people get tired of songs. 
Um, so like I had really no exposure to Frozen outside of um, like Navishin, my co-host on my podcast, is a huge Disney fan. He always has been. Um, and and I grew up in a very Disney household, but it wasn't I would say until Frozen that I like became a Disney fan. Honestly, I think that like with with Frozen two and me kind of having that actual realization of like oh I like modern Disney like I, I don't I don't necessarily have the same connection a lot of people do with like 90s Disney even though I loved it at the time but like I've reconnected with it now and I think Frozen 2 is the catalyst that helped me realize that um, and and maybe that's that's part of why it's so special but but Frozen like at the time was was a thing that I'd heard all this hype about people called it Beauty and the Beast compared to that which I don't necessarily have the same love for the original that everybody considers it like maybe the best Disney movie or best of that kind. Uh, and so I, I didn't necessarily have it at a really high bar that it was trying to meet, but I had really no expectation going into it when I saw it. Finally, uh, I just really, really liked it. Uh, and it wasn't until a while later that I really fell in love with it. And I, I think I really realized why I liked it. Um, but like in the most simple terms is like, I really like how different frozen feels. Uh, it feels like a really different movie um, that is really trying to say something um, in the same way like that, you know, obviously it's a Disney movie and it's fun and lights and magic and singing and dancing. But like, I, I think in the same way, uh, not the same level of importance, um, but in the same way, Black Panther uh, was a Marvel movie, but it was also like it was saying something, you know, it was different in a, in a way that like stood out. I think Frozen was trying to be like take the princess story and do that but like be really have a lot of empathy with it like show you that people are more than just one or two things like really add a level of depth and nuance there that that didn't exist before all the way up until like this isn't going to end how you think it's going to end um and and that really surprised me like when I finally heard let it go I was so moved because I was just taken aback at how honest it was. Uh, and I don't think like Disney songs are, are in like very melodramatic and, and honest in their own way and in a very romantic, uh, like, you know, flickering your eyelashes at somebody way. Um, but not in this very simple, real, like no word is wasted kind of way. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Absolutely, uh, yeah. It it really it still stands out even against the the second one, which I think is a little bit more of a Disney movie. I think it, it transcends that, uh, and you know we'll get there someday. Um, but you get to that thesis, uh, that that twenty nine page thesis that I'm writing. Um, <laughs> but but you know like the, I I think this was like such a a good step in that direction of like hey we're we're really trying to add a, a layer of honesty and and vulnerability here that is. That's special. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Cameron, what uh, what was your history with Frozen? Did you see it in, in theaters? You know, it's interesting that you asked that. I'm not... Like, I... I had to have. Like, I, I know that I did. I definitely did see it in theaters. It's just a question of, like, when did I see it is the question. Like, because I don't... I don't recall seeing it in, like, full-price theaters. I think I saw it, like with my family for like at like the dollar theater or something like that when it was put out or maybe it was with my like friends at the time I'm not sure but I know how big it was so I come from a background where like 
the majority of my friends were in musical theater. And mm-hmm. actually, wait, 2013. I mean, oh. yeah, this was this was in the height of me doing theater still at the time. So yeah. the and, fact well, that like so much of the cast and the creative team behind it was like Broadway based, I was like, oh, I definitely want to see what this one's going to be like. So I definitely saw it in theaters. I remember that. I'm trying to recall. So 2013 would have been I was. Jeez, sorry. I'm trying to remember what I was doing when I was 23 years old. Um, gosh, that was a long time ago. Uh, not really, but like kind of. Well, I get uh, it, dude. I mean, like, well, it's it's because we're we're uh, we're looking at this too with uh, the Last of Us coming out, which was also 2013. So yeah, it was, oh my gosh. it was it was such a different point in our lives, uh, especially like some of you younger ones, uh, where it's like, yeah, that seven years was a long time ago, relatively speaking. Um, like, I, Rational I was... passions was still there, though. It's the constant. Yeah, it's what yeah, keeps yeah. us all connected. Good God. I know. Hell? Tell me. Tell wait, me wait, about when it, was, dude. When was Kind of Funny Live 1? Kind of Funny Live 1 was 2015. So, 2015. yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Is this, this predates any of us knowing each other by a year oh. and a half. But, it, but again, Rational Passions. Rational, oh. Rational Passions existed. Yeah. Oh, wow. This I was think... before Kind of Funny existed. Yeah. This was before Kind of Funny existed. Wow. <laughs> which means that like i hadn't like had i quit to go back to school at this point i may not have even been back in college i might have still been working in a call center i don't know the well, timeline of your life as well as you yeah. do cameron but yeah I, I don't know it well enough to give you a definitive answer on that that's the problem uh no i've like like i've segmented out my life in like periods of like what i was doing at the time not years and so 2013 I made you know the summer of 2013 was when I so I had just quit yeah I had just quit my uh my full-time job working in a call center to go back to school so I that was my fresh semester so I was I had barely started working at a wear owner where I was working when I met you guys um oh wow yeah no I probably actually saw that with my family then I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I, I saw it. Seen it with. I personally saw it. Um, I, I remember seeing it like solo myself, and then went and saw it with my family. You know, as part of our weekly like hangouts. Um, uh, one week, um, like me, my sister, my dad, my mom all, all probably went and saw it together. Um, and and yeah, I, like so, I I really enjoyed it and was very on board with it from from the off. Um, but then I immediately saw how like overplayed oh, Let It Go was becoming. And I, uh, to to its credit, I will never forget because I was working at um, Phoenix Theater at the time here in in Phoenix, which is the largest musical theater in Arizona. And every summer they do a uh, a summer camp program where they bring in kids for like week long uh, themed camps. Uh, oh, and they yes. do basically eight eight weeks over over the summer. Uh, and and usually it would be like okay we're gonna do a week on um, you know you're a good man Charlie Brown or something like that or uh, a week on you know Wicked at the time or something like that and and the Frozen week that they did sold out so incredibly quick <laughs> um, and and just hearing like hundreds of kids running around screaming let it go and do you want to build a snowman and stuff was adorable and, and delightful that summer in uh so that would have been um in 2014 my basically it was like my some of my last memories because i ended up leaving basically right after that week of uh of, of programming i think um that year but uh it was like 
it, it was a movement that that overtook yeah. um you know any any child from like the age of three to 12 probably <laughs> uh during beyond that, during beyond that, that that year or two years um no because like uh, i remember like i remember in particular like it wasn't just that like so i was hanging around basically my background is i have a bunch of musical theater friends and just people who are in music and theater and whatnot but to the point where like it was not just a movement with the with like kids but like it was everywhere it permeated like the entire my entire social scene like it was like everything was like oh hey gosh i can't remember just how many of them did put out their like their version of let it go um all like all of them not great but uh <laughs> did i did i like did i support them in it you betcha you go for it you killed like- it great job I wasn't exposed um, to any of this. It's it's such a weird thing. The only exposure I have to like other people liking Frozen, because again for me it's one of those things where I feel like everyone hates it, um, is my my two little cousins who are just the sweetest two little cousins you could ever want, um, dressed like Anna and Elsa, and they're just the sweetest. They were uh, I think like five and three when this came out, oh, um, and they love it. They just they still love it to this day. Um, and they were they they honestly made me like it more because of seeing how into it they were. For sure, uh, you no, just, as as an you uncle, just like reminded that. me. Um, sorry, real quick, Cameron. Uh, you just reminded me. I had um, I had friends from like high school and and college that did um, like pr- like Disney princess kind of like that was their company. They would go and be Disney princess impersonators for like children's birthday parties and stuff. Yes, and all of them were were going out and being <laughs> Anna and Elsa um, mm-hmm. uh, during this time. Um, and I hadn't thought about them in, in years at this point, but yeah, I remember seeing like all of those Facebook notifications popping up in my feed and stuff of like, "Hey, come book us for your party. We've got Anna and Elsa." <laughs> Excellent. As yeah, sorry. 100%. Go ahead, Cam. Oh no, just saying like to that tandem with that one, Alex is. I have a deep love for it because like it was one hundred percent my so my sisters, my two older sisters were obsessed with Wicked, which. Mm. Adina Munzel was Alphaba, oh, yep. the original Alphaba. And so, and they were, of course, obsessed with Rent and all that stuff. But, um, so she, like, her being, like, coming in and people being like, who's this amazing person? And they're like, we've known who it was the entire time. So this entire, like... Oh, I, I saw Enchanted. I, like, I was... I was oh, okay. I was hip. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, so on that level, my siblings were about it. And then my nieces and my net even my nephews loved it um to the point where like there's a fun like a video if i dig it out of facebook i totally can of my the my sister who i live with now her two oldest they were like little little toddlers this is after the movie camp has been had been out for a while a couple years but like once again like cultural phenomena like she put it on and they would dress up and dance for it um mm-hmm. Of course, oh, it, it still yeah. carries on. Like I, I, our yeah, friend, our friend Nikki Pettit, um, uh, and has Quinn, uh, her daughter, who's three years old now, I think. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, like I've seen plenty of of their little Instagram videos of her getting introduced to it and just sing screaming, "Let it go," uh, um, and now into the unknown from uh, from Frozen Two. But um, like it is, it has continued on, and it it is the like the sentiment that I now think back on of. 
how many times my parents must have been tired of my sister and I like rewatching and, and replaying The Little Mermaid and Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and just singing all of those songs over and over and over and over and over again during those kind of like really young formative years where like we latched onto something and just like you with music, Alex, that was the thing you did for months on end. Yep. That's yeah. how I, that's how I was with those movies as a kid as well. So yeah, yeah. No, I I uh, I understand why people got sick of Frozen, especially adults getting sick of it. But to me, it still stands out as just like a top tier Disney film. Mm-hmm. Well, let us dive real quick into a little bit of the history lesson of Frozen, as we've kind of touched on here. Uh, it was originally released November twenty seventh, twenty thirteen. Other notable releases at the time were Thor the Dark World, so this was back in the days before Thor Ragnarok, which all of us saw together, I remember, um, at, uh, at How could uh, you the ever forget? Passions Extra Life. <laughs> um, uh, Thor the Dark World and About Time both came out on November 8th. The mm. Hunger Games Catching Fire uh, came out November 22nd, so a few days before Frozen here. And The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog came out December 13th. So those were a lot of like that's huh. like it was it was a time of sequels and about time. But like the Dark World, Catching Fire, Desolation of Smog were all the second films in those franchises. And so it was it was like a weird little bit of refreshing seeing Frozen, this new thing kind of um, from Disney pop up in uh, in this uh, space. Uh, film has a runtime of an hour and 42 minutes. And in the Walt Disney Animation Studios timeline, this fell between Wreck-It Ralph, which had come out uh, on November 2nd, 2012, and Big Hero 6, November 7th, 2014. So it was kind of packed right in there in between the non-musical uh, animation films. It, to to anyone who's keeping score out there, uh, I have now seen the first 30 minutes of Wreck-It Ralph. Oh my so, gosh, so Alex! I, I can't. I can't say I've never seen it, but I can say I've seen the first thirty minutes. Of what Ralph. in the world? Why is just the first thirty minutes? I'm it not was, even upset. I'm just I, confused. My roommate was like, "We should watch this. You need to watch this. I will watch it with you." And then he wanted to go to bed. It is. It is an interesting one, and I would, especially with where they take it in Wreck It Ralph two, I would be very curious your thoughts on it um just the first 30 minutes you're only allowed to watch the first 30 minutes of it that's uh, it like and then you have to compare which the films i did how each one ends i mean i would i would disagree because i'm pretty sure the disney princess portion of wreck it ralph 2 or ralph breaks the internet is not in the first 30 minutes so i would that's not what alex that's that's what's important for alex is the anna and elsa cameo in wreck it ralph 2 you're completely right that, I, that's true. I was thinking it's also the best sequence of that film, but one hundred percent. It's it's otherwise pretty lackluster. I would um, I would also say I at some point within this first thirty minutes because they were talking about Smash and stuff. I was like, oh man, is this going to end in Minecraft? And then my roommate gave me a look like, oh god, who told you? And I was like, I didn't. No one told me anything. I just that was just a guess. Please tell me that that's not real. I still don't know if that's real or not. You don't have to answer this. Nobody but. spoil him. Nobody spoil him. <laughs> Alex, I want you. What? I want you to watch I the want first. You all to know I said that. Yeah, Alex, I want you to watch the first three minutes of Wreck It Ralph two, and then I want you to sit down and tell us how each film ends. Ends, yeah. And then flows into the next one. Yeah, Barrett Courtney and I had a podcast idea just like this one. <laughs> Uh, Just watch the beginning of something and predict the ending. Watch the middle act of a movie oh. and predict oh how gosh. it starts and ends. <laughs> that 
that would be interesting. Yeah. Who picks the like who picks the movies and who picks the middle act for you? You I have to have a, a panel of judges, clearly. Okay. Okay. Do you like are you are you guys like is it a competition? Are you basically being pitted against one another? No, it's like a and collaborative the, the panel of judges. It's a collaborative okay. thing. We when we were watching the the middle act of a movie in a pizza shop once and we were like, What the fuck is going and we just started, you know, like, okay, this guy's clearly, you know, maybe his daughter died or something, and so this girl is like a surrogate. I've seen The Last of Us, I know how this goes. You yeah, know, that that kind of deal. Okay. Well, I, I now actually appreciate the idea of that being like a competition show where you do have a panel of judges. They pick the movie <laughs> and the give you, plot? here's the middle act, yeah. and then whoever gets more things correct mm. is the winner for that episode. Yeah. Right. Um, well, very fun. You guys, can uh, have that, the, you guys can have that one. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that middle act show or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, diving into the roll call, the who's who of this film. We've already touched on a lot of the names involved here, but uh, diving into directors first, you have Chris Buck, who had uh, previously done Tarzan, uh, the Disney animated uh, film, uh, as well as Surf's Up, which I was like, which one was Surf's Up? It was one of those penguin dancing ones. Mm. Um, uh, so if you remember that, penguin I think it was... surfing, I th- Trevor. Penguin <laughs> yes, sorry, surfing. Yes. Ha- Happy Feet is the penguin dancing one. John, that's, where that's where I'm getting confused. John Hader of Napoleon Dynamite fame plays a chicken in that film there you and go. it is and it is fantastic uh and then uh also chris buck would come back to do frozen 2 uh and then his co-director on this was jennifer lee and this was her directorial debut but she has gone on and done a lot of the um the frozen spinoff short um movie things as well as frozen 2 um as far as the writers uh it had three credited writers chris buck jennifer lee and shane morris and then also uh, Hans Christian Andersen is kind of the like story by because he wrote the uh, the Snow Queen, which was the inspiration for the film. Um, but in terms of writing, Chris Buck had previously written the story for Pocahontas, the screenplay for Surf's Up, uh, and then he would go on to do the uh, the story for Frozen Two as well. And Jennifer Lee had done Wreck It Ralph prior to this, and that was kind of one of the things that fueled her 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 success and her. Uh, the way she had worked on Wreck-It Ralph, uh, everybody was impressed, so they kind of uh, elevated her to a directorial role here on Frozen. Uh, and then she would go on to do Zootopia, A Wrinkle in Time, and the screenplay for Frozen 2. And then Shane Morris was the uh, the other person who, uh, his most notable other credit prior to this was <laughs> The Dukes of Hazard: The Beginning, which was what? the TV movie prequel of the Dukes of Hazard movie with like Sean William Scott and whoever was the other Duke boy in that one. <laughs> so this was the like direct this was the like made for TV or the direct to DVD kind of video version. He'd done the story for that. So going from that to to Frozen is quite the glow up I would what? say. What? Yeah. Yeah. I, I I love like finding these weird little tidbits. Um I don't usually pull these in, but for this one, I wanted to pull in the composers um, because you have uh, Robert Lopez uh, as well as Kristen Anderson Lopez as kind of the, the co-composers of this. Robert Lopez, um, one of the reasons I had really like latched onto this and was interested in seeing it was because I had seen he was doing this because Avenue Q and Book of Mormon are a couple of my very favorite musicals that he had done uh, in the last 10, 15 years. Um, and he was kind of the, the composer for both of those. Had a very... It, he has a very modern feel and aesthetic, um, and so I was, I was very eager to see where that went. Um, he also did the music for the, uh, I want to say, 2011 Winnie the Pooh film. And then he would go on to do um, songs for uh, Coco as well as Frozen 2. Um, 
and uh, and his wife, Kristen Anderson Lopez, uh, did Winnie the Pooh with him, and then would go on and do uh, Coco and Frozen too. And Christoph Black uh, was kind of the the score composer for this, uh, and he has a very long storied uh, IMDb uh, there, including stuff like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, Bring It On, The Hangover Films, um, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief, which we've also done an episode of that D Plus show on, The Muppets, Pitch Perfect, Ant Man, Ant Man and the Wasp, and the upcoming WandaVision. Um, so, and then like so many more things on there that was just kind of a smash. I like Christoph Black a lot. I like the score of this movie a lot too. Yep. Um, uh, as far as starring, we have Kristen Bell here playing Anna, who, uh, was, who kind of made her name with Veronica Mars, uh, as well as, uh, her appearances in the early, uh, uh, installments of the Assassin's Creed series. Uh, she would also be in Forgetting Sarah Marshall and uh, kind of, I believe, I've not seen Gossip Girl, but I believe based on how she's credited, I'm pretty sure she's like the voiceover narrator uh, and and the titular Gossip Girl. Uh, and then she's also gone on to be on The Good Place and uh, the series on Disney Plus Encore. Uh, Adina Menzel, as we kind of already touched on, uh, originated the roles of Maureen and Elphaba in Rent and Wicked, respectively, on Broadway. She went in. Uh, she was in Enchanted, and she has gone on to be in uh, Frozen Two, of course, and Uncut Gems most recently, which uh, very different kind of role. Mm. <laughs> um, Jonathan Groff, another uh, Broadway uh, past kind of character, uh, plays Kristoff here. Um, I knew him from Melchior Gabor in Spring Awakening. Uh, as well as he would go on and do Glee. Uh, Adina Menzel had also done a lot of episodes of Glee. Um, and then uh, he was King George III in Hamilton. Not the first King George III, I believe the second King George III, or King George III II, I believe is how they, they do their nomenclature. Uh, Brian Darcy James had originated the role, but Jonathan Groff was the one that took it uh, to Broadway. He'd be, um, he'd be good for that, yeah. Is he the one in the, in the recorded version? Uh, Jonathan Groff, yeah, yeah, That's he is, yeah, he's on the he he took it over when it was still off Broadway, got it, got um, it. and then was the uh, the King the George King George the Third on on Broadway and and uh, is the the most kind of recognizable King George the Third. That's awesome. Uh, and then he has since gone on to be uh, mine in Mine Hunter and of course Frozen Two. Um, it's it's knowing that he was. Uh, has this you know broadway history it's almost tr- tragic that he only has like one kind of song here in the first frozen film yeah um which fortunately gets remedied by uh, by the time frozen 2 rolls around um josh gad also of broadway fame had originated the role of elder arnold Cum- cunningham in uh, the book of mormon uh, and then he was also previously, oh, he plays Olaf, of course. Uh, he was briefly a correspondent on The Daily Show, which is, I think the first time I saw him, like, physically. Like, I I'd, I'd, I'd knew him from the Book of Mormon and and, um, and the soundtrack of that, but um, seeing him, like, pop up on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart a handful of times back in, like, the early 2010s was, I was like, oh, okay, this guy's funny. Um, he also was in the film Jobs, uh, as well as he would go on to be in uh, the much maligned video game movie Pixels, uh, as well as uh, Beauty and the Beast. He played LeFou in the live-action Beauty and the Beast. So and, good. Uh, so good in that, too. Yeah. And most recently, um, he was in Avenue 5, uh, which is a show by the guy behind Veep and, uh, and a handful of those kinds of other shows. I hate that show, um, but he's funny in it. Um, 
Uh, and uh, he's doing a really cool kind of series while we're in quarantine that's kind of reuniting casts of like fan favorite movies. Um, he's already done Back to the Future, I know. And as uh, as we're sitting down to record this, he's teasing out uh, kind of a bringing back the Lord of the Rings cast together. So um, I think it's reunited apart or something like that. Um, a cool little thing that he's doing and kind of because he's a you know giant fan of all of these kinds of things, like many of us are. You also have Santino Fontana, Fontana playing Hans here. Um, prior to this, he'd been uh, he'd kind of been on Broadway as Algernon in The Importance of Being Earnest, as well as Prince Topher in Cinderella, which I believe earned him a, a Tony nomination that year. Um, and, and Prince Topher in Cinderella was the same year that this came out, so it was kind of like uh, almost playing off of that like princey, princely role. Um, he's since gone on to be in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and he won the Tony Award for Best Actor in a Musical uh, in, uh, in Tootsie on Broadway uh, last year in 2019, um, p- playing the Dustin Hoffman role, basically. Uh, and then rounding out kind of the cast here, we have Alan Tudyk, um, who uh, I, know, I knew of as Wash from Firefly and Dodgeball. I have a picture of me and my sister with Alan Tudyk because we got to see him in Spamalot on Broadway. Um, so I, I love getting to include him in things like this. Um, I also loved him in iRobot and Arrested Development and he was the, he's the bad guy in Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, actually, I guess that's a spoiler. Sorry. Uh, I didn't know there was a bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, in the first 30 minutes, you probably haven't met him, actually. um, Yeah, I haven't. Trevor, you've spoiled it. I I have indeed. I I don't think think it ruins it to do with Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk's just everything, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's done... He's he's becoming like the John Ratzenberger of Disney animated films, uh, just like that. uh, John Ratzenberger is in all the Pixar films. Alan Tudyk has been in, uh, I think, all of the last... However many, uh, I think with Wreck-It Ralph, that started him being in every Disney animated film. Because he was in that. He was in, uh, uh, I don't know if he had, oh, well, Coco was Pixar. Um, but he was in Zootopia as kind of a play on this character as as Duke Weaselton. Um, uh, and then uh, he was Hey Hey in Moana. Um, and I'm trying to think what else has come out he, he's in this Wreck-It Ralph sequel too um so yeah he's uh he's making a little appearance in all them Disney films uh and then of course recently he is also K2SO in Rogue One as well as the upcoming untitled Star Wars slash Cassian Andor series where he will be reprising the role of K2SO oh. uh was somebody gonna hop in there I, I heard somebody kind of have a realization no I I, I gasped it for effect it was oh merely a compliment <laughs> I promise gotcha okay um, and then lastly, before we dive into some of kind of uh, our, our thoughts on the film itself, we have some trivia. Uh, I have a, a smattering of trivia here. Um, and there are so many more little tidbits of trivia out on the IMDb, so I encourage anybody who really cares to, to check out that stuff. But um, one of the uh, notable tie-ins is when the gates open during for the first time in forever, there's a cameo of Rapunzel and Eugene uh, from Tangled. Uh, they're kind of walking into the, uh, the kingdom. Um, you have uh, this was something that that I I had not recognized, but I love that this is here. Uh, the characters Hans, Kristoff, Anna, and Sven are a reference to Hans Christian Andersen. Um, basically, if you say Hans Christoph Anna Sven, it's you know almost tying to his name. So I thought that was a, a cute little like reference um, that I definitely would not have pegged otherwise. Uh, during Olaf's song, his dance with four seagulls is a nod to Bert's dance with the four penguins from Mary Poppins. 
Uh, as of April 11th, 2014, Frozen became the highest grossing animated music, uh, both the highest grossing animated and musical film of all time, as well as the, at the time, ninth highest grossing film of all time, with a worldwide box office gross of just over $1 billion. Um, Kristen Bell and Adina Menzel had both auditioned for the role of Rapunzel in Tangled, um, but ultimately that went to Mandy Moore, and they were kind of brought back for this film instead. Um, Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez wrote Let It Go within a single day. It originated with the story outline they were given, which called for, quote, Elsa's badass song, unquote, <laughs> uh, at that point. Um, the two began by envisioning the song with an emo undertone, and according to Anderson Lopez, we went for a walk in Prospect Park and threw phrases at each other. What does it feel like to be the perfect exalted person, but only because you've held back this secret? Robert came up with Kingdom of Isolation, and it worked. Lopez was able to improvise the song's first four lines on the spot. They went home and composed the rest of the song by alternating between improvising melodies on a piano and brainstorming lyrics on a whiteboard. Musically, the song was written to accommodate Adina Menzel's vocal range. Let It Go went on to break a number of pop music records, becoming the first song from a Disney animated musical to reach the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100 since Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas uh, uh, on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Uh, making and uh, 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 oh, the song is Medina. Uh, bleh. Um, it peaked at number four. Sorry, I skipped a line there in the reading. Um, and the song is also Medina uh, Menzel's first single to reach the top ten on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, making her the first Tony Award winner for acting to ever reach the top ten. And on March second, twenty fourteen, Let It Go won the Academy Award for Best Original Song at the eighty sixth Academy Awards, where it was performed live by Adim Nizel. Or whatever uh, it was that John Travolta. <laughs> Adele Dazim. Adele Dazim. Adele Dazim. Yes. Never forget. Adele Dazim. Yeah. Um, uh, and then lastly, here, uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios attempted several times before to develop this story of the Snow Queen into a film during the early 2000s, but it never worked. They first tried in 2002, but it was scrapped when master animator Glenn Keane famously quit the project. The Snow Queen resurfaced again in 2008, and John Lasseter of Pixar was uh, recruited directors Kurt Wise and Gary Truesdell, uh, who had done Beauty and the Beast, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, Atlantis, um, to helm the project. And producer Don Hahn and writer Linda Wolverton also signed on for the project, along Alan Menken and Glenn Slater, uh, who were commissioned to write songs. Uh, in 2010, that was put on hold, scrapped, and uh, rather than being put, in, put back in development hell again, Disney kind of um, ended up making what we have today. Uh, they found a way to kind of make the story work here. Um, so that's uh, a chunk, just a smattering of the trivia from this film. Again, more out there on IMDb's trivia page if you want to uh, to seek it out. But some, those were some of the uh, the standouts. Uh, especially I want to touch on kind of the, the storied history of trying to make this film um, that Disney had before finally kind of landing on this. And I think... To a, to a degree, you st you still see how fragmented that story is in that originally Elsa was basically pegged to be the bad guy, um, and then they they landed one of the other trivia notes is um, when like executives first heard the Let It Go song, they were like, okay, well she can't be the bad guy with this badass song that she's got, so let's figure out how to retool the story so that she's not evil or anything like that she's not the villain of the piece um she's just another element and let's figure out a new way to bring in a villain villain and tie up that storyline so um you see kind of the 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 long in development fragments of the story i think throughout the film 
Um, but let's kind of dive in as we talked about. Um, this is now seven years old. Um, I don't know, you know, how often you guys revisit it or whatnot. Um, but how does it hold up here in 2020? Alex, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, I think it holds up a, a good amount. It, it's funny, like, you know, I, I say people hate this movie, and and I know a great many people that do genuinely not like it. And the, there are problems with it, and, like, as someone who really loves it, I, I think it's good to talk about those. Um, like, you know, there, there's a lot of kind of awkwardness with, with how this really, really did commit to, like, hey, we're going to sing through kind of parts of this story. Um like specifically the uh what's the the god i can't even think for the first time in forever uh there, there's like the the kind of at the va- the back half of that song the back and forth between anna and elsa like tone like musically it, it's awkward and it's a weird like goes from really slow to really fast pace um and later on when th- it's like reprised um for the first time forever and uh it just doesn't work, I think, as well as they wanted it to. And there, there's, a, I think that that hurts a lot of the, the pacing of the movie, and and the fact that like, we we get all these really strong songs up front, and then like the last half is like, or the last act itself is is weirdly kind of quiet. You know, uh, there's yeah. there's no music mm-hmm. in the in the last acts. Yeah, that 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 is, I think that's a certainly a more. A, a more like familiar complaint to me. It's interesting the the first time in forever kind of um, idea because as somebody who has come from like musical uh, like a very theatrical musical background where you see those kinds of overlapping themes um, uh, like as a regular staple of musical theater, especially when you reach kind of uh, like repeat reprises and like usually the you know end end of act one closer is all of these, you know, ideas and whatnot kind of coming on top of each other to really kind of do a, a, almost a cacophony of sound. Yeah. Um, like, all of that feels very familiar to me. So they didn't, like, none of those those elements stand out to me when I listen to For the First Time in Forever. In fact, the the, the reprise is actually one of my favorite songs from the film and, and the, the um, also the musical, um, just because I, I love how it is trying to... It, it is, like, the two characters kind of... Um, at odds with one another because they're they're not they don't know what the other one knows yeah um and uh and so it it makes sense thematically to me um that they're not singing in sync um as a result of that yeah i I like it too i think like normally or i would say like if in a in a if if i were to redo it right like i would want there to be probably more reprisals like make it more of like a consistent motif that's revisited a lot to make mm-hmm. it stand out more because we only really get it twice um, yep. in, a, in a pretty short movie um, it, it might be enough but I, I guess I just want it more but I also really like it and, and I like all that and I like how it, it plays into it I like the, the momentum of the story um, and I like that it ends it, almost abruptly because like it, it the how it resolves itself takes you by surprise or it's it's supposed to um yeah, I, I I think this is a, a great, very fun, jolly movie that gets really real right when it needs to, and then like kind of lets go of that uh, right when it needs to as well. Um, and it just there's still no no like movie quite like it. So I I think just on that merit alone, I, I think it holds up a lot. Yeah, uh, how about you, Cameron? What do you think? 
Um, I think it's there's a couple of factors to take into consideration. One, this is the second. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the second film of um, the new Disney animation style. This is the second musical. Um, so yeah, t- it was basically Tangled and then this, but you did have uh, like Wreck-It Ralph in, in between kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Wreck-It Ralph is Pixar though, isn't it? Or am no. I just totally no, that's that Disney. wrong? It's it's Disney it's animated. It's Disney. There you go. Alex has only seen half an hour of the film, but he already knows more than that than me. All right. Well, I, was, I also highlighted that earlier in the episode. <laughs> you did I, do that. I thought I was. I thought you were wrong. I wasn't going to correct you. I've I've been wrong <laughs> oh. about that in the past, so I've made sure to not be wrong about that again. And here, hey, here's the thing. That's okay. I'm alright being wrong. I mean, it, it's absolutely fair because a, a lot of times people. Uh, get Pixar and Disney animate the the new CG Disney animated films kind of confusing it like even in this I was like I like I started to think oh Coco was that Disney animated when I was talking about Alan Tudyk and I was like no Coco was a Pixar film so mm-hmm. it makes sense that he doesn't have a cameo in that one yeah um, versus he even has a know, cameo in Moana has exactly yeah. has the chicken <laughs> um uh, but yeah no so my thought about it is so it's the second film out of these it's uh I think where we're at, like, when you take into consideration films like Frozen 2, Moana, how far they've come technology-wise, just, like, design-wise, what they're able to do now with that same technology, it's just better. Um, so, going back to this film, a lot of the film feels like there's a lot of empty space. Uh, like, if you, pe- like, if you peel back some visual effects of, like, Snowfall and whatnot, you see, like, just very empty spaces. Um, the only times that I think they don't do that is when it's the town, uh, as well as when it's inside of Elsa's ice palace. There's a lot of like busy work going on in there that makes it very much feel like it's filled out space. But yeah, outside of that, I, I didn't I didn't pull it in, but there's there was some trivia thing that was like the most complicated scene in this uh, in this film took 132 hours to render. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like, oh yeah, there's there's a ton of craziness going on there, especially for 2013, 2012 computers. Yeah, and so on top of that, so by necessity, the other parts of the film are going to feel empty. Granted, they're also on big, open, you know, Nordic, snow-covered mountaintops, etc. Um, I think the film has a couple weak parts. Um, he's like the entire "He's a Fixer Upper" song doesn't fit with the rest of the soundtrack. Um, the troll song just doesn't fit with it uh, at all. Granted, um, I also, like, there's a lot of things about, like, that last, going towards that last half that feels disjointed um, that I think it pulls off at the end. Like, it, it carries over and pulls off at the end, but there are several points where it's, like, it, it the bridging of these scenes feels difficult, but um, the biggest crime that this film commits, the absolute biggest crime that this film commits the sequel then rectifies greatly and enormously is you have a Tony Award winning singer and you have him sing a reindeer song that's not <laughs> even a real song it's funny too because the uh, the directors uh, apologize profusely about it in like the Frozen <laughs> 2 bonus features um, yeah. and they refer to the, the reindeer song as uh be, and being generous to call it a ditty, uh, which yeah. which I like a lot. <laughs> like it's like it's a, it's a it's a crime. <laughs> it's it's a it's a crime of the arts 
to you have you billboard Jonathan Groff. He's gonna be in this film. Oh, he's playing one of the main characters. He's playing a potential love interest. Oh, he's gonna have some great. No, nope. Just yank that right out. Granted, that also kind of fits with Kristoff's character that you expect him to be like this gallant character, and he just he's not. Um, he's a great. I, I I shouldn't say he's not. He doesn't. He ends up becoming very gallant towards the end. But just to. Um, uh... Just to yeah. clarify, to, to fact check it, um, he has been nominated for two Tonys. He has not won. Um, well, that there you go. That's, that's the another crime. Yeah. His, yeah. yeah, more his, Well, his, I, if if I recall correctly, his Spring Awakening co-star um, won the year he was nominated for Spring Awakening, and then the other one he was nominated alongside most of the cast of Hamilton and and King George the Third. As great as it is, is not the greatest role of that uh, of that musical. So, so um, I believe it was. Um, uh, I, uh, I don't remember. I think it was Leslie Odom Jr. who won. Probably. Oh, that, uh, well, that makes sense. Most certainly, <laughs> like it must yeah. be. <laughs> yeah, um, he lost to somebody else yes. from the same from the same musical. That makes exactly, sense. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yes, he, like well well renowned uh, certainly Tony nominated guy not getting a song outside of a loosely framed ditty um <laughs> was uh was a bit of an oversight uh yeah for me i i agree kind of with the um uh the the sentiment that you kind of voiced alex of um the fact that um uh fixer upper is basically like the last song of the of the film and then you go into the third act yeah. with no music um is an interesting twist and i think a lot of that touches on kind of the the elements we talked about of of the third act was wildly reworked when they were like hey actually maybe we don't want elsa to be the bad guy of this so we have to uh kind of retool you know some of these other elements to make that happen um so i imagine some elements of that hit the cutting room floor but also i think in the in the history of disney musicals you there there is a bit of a turning point there when you reach kind of the the action as you race towards the finish where music does kind of fall by the wayside in favor of you know, action or or conf- like character conflict and dynamics. You don't see too often um, the like the villain getting a you know a, a ha ha I've won or I've done it kind of song at the end before you know ultimately losing. Um, so it in the in the grand scheme of things, it kind of fits the Disney framework, but it does feel out of place when you have you know such a uh, so so many kind of delightful and catching and charming songs in the in the first act up through um even let it go uh that like every one of those is like a memorable you know tune that you know uh, let it go obviously gets the big renown but um you know love is an open door I remember that go like oh. i remember like all, so many couples doing like love is an open door like viral video type things at the time um uh where they would sing along to that and doing you know various other things so good um so good uh and so yeah it's a delightful one as well you know for for the first time in forever do you build uh, or do you want to build a snowman like there are so, just so many hit after hit after hit in the f- first you know half hour or 45 minutes of the film that then getting really nothing after <laughs> nothing of note after let it go does feel like okay well that was clearly a turning point um, for for both the movie and the the musical soundtrack, I, th- I, th- I think um, also like if you're revisiting Frozen, I think it's really surprising how early in the movie Let It Go happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like not maybe about a third of the way in, and and like it, it that is such a, a shift for where that movie you know it becomes kind of an adventure after that point. 
Um, but to think how front loaded it is with, with all this music and all this emotions, like the opening is so heavy um, oh, yeah. and sad, you know, like, but it's poignant, you know, it, it really, it's different than, than, it doesn't go for like a thing like Up does where it's like, we're going to really, really, really front load this. So that way, by the time the movie really starts, you, you kind of know the, the weight of it. You, you get to kind of live in, in the kind of dichotomy of where the characters are at for a little bit longer and and see how this is has really messed them up. Yeah. Uh, oh, I just I just want to say. Um, oh, go ahead, Trevor. Actually, well, I was gonna say the the it does kind of follow that like tried and true trope of uh, of like fridging the parents yeah. right off the bat. Um, <laughs> you know, in this case, you do get a little bit of like childhood, and you get kind of the introduction to uh, Elsa's conflict with the parents still around, and and to like. The, the thing that like stood out at me the most when I was watching back at this was like, wow, yeah, that like the dad and enforce like the dad is told, but both the parents are told like, hey, like she needs to learn how to use these powers or it'll they can do damage. And instead, like hearing that and going with the idea of like conceal, don't feel is terrible parenting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that so that's the thing that like was the most jarring to me like looking back on this with like a little bit more of a critical eye was just like oh yeah like the parents aren't great and obviously we're, we'll get a little bit more well, backstory with sh- them in the future but they like the the second film also largely retcons you know the parents like the the parents that are we're introduced here are completely recast in the next film anyway because they're given more of a a dynamic role um, and i think it's unfair they gave that advice to like child elsa I think the idea was over time that it would evolve into different kind of guidance, but, but like they they didn't like like well, they, didn't they, they go to, off they on die. the ship. They go off on the ship when like Anna and El- when when Elsa's like uh, what like one of the the trivia things I saw was like at you know the the coronation is Elsa turning twenty one and Anna and uh, yeah, Elsa and and Kristoff are twenty one and Anna is eighteen is the the ages that I think the jennifer lee director uh gave in in some kind of interview or something like that Fair, and okay. the parents died five years before that or whatever it was so yeah like, okay never mind i rescinded so, i rescinded it completely i thought the, she was younger than that when they died but yeah, yeah no. no like they leave and are still saying like you have to keep hiding yourself so yeah they're not like they're not overly like that your 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 argument there doesn't really i, I thought think, i uh, thought they died when she was like 12 like like just pre-puberty like get right about to get there and then maybe they would be like okay now we can start working on these i was under the impression she was 18 when her coronation happens but also yeah yeah, that that was what i originally would have thought too but also like like, i i see both sides of it and it's one of those things where like it where frozen 2 i think enriches the the first one in in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways and yeah yeah and and makes it like you know they left because and it, I think it's inferred they left because they were looking for answers and they, they were trying to find a more permanent solution to whatever they were doing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like I get, I certainly get the the idea of that in in the context of the second film. But in the first one, I I remember just kind of thinking like, oh, they're going off on some kind of royalty, you know, driven thing. You know, they're they're leaders in a like the, it, I I remember one of the theories going around. Um, one of like the the viral fan theories that tied Frozen and Tangled and even the Little Mermaid together was that the um, the parents were going off to um, to uh, Rapunzel's wedding um, in in Tangled and and their ship crashed or whatever. 
Mm. And then that ship is the ship that you see in Little Mermaid. Was the the theory tying them all together? Um, oh, how do you feel uh, about the theory about it being tied to Tarzan? Uh, oh yeah, and that that uh, what the, uh, it's because it's it's the same. Well, like they have a kid or something that becomes Tarzan, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's the same theory tying or or like layers of the same theory. It starts as like the theory of like, oh, let's tie this to Tangled and they're going off to the, the wedding of Rapunzel and Eugene. And then they're like, oh, but what if the ship was also the ship from Little Mermaid? And what if the it was also Tang- Tarzan or something like that? Yeah, like, like they all it's all just fan theories and stuff. Um, but I remember that like flaring up. Um, so I I probably bought more into the, the Tangled connection than that they were going off to try and like figure out something because especially because the idea is like well the trolls know the magic um so like realistically if if you had these parents and obviously you couldn't have done this because you wouldn't then have a movie but Mm -hmm. like if the parents were trying to you know train elsa in in how to use her magic they could have taken her to the trolls and been like you guys understand this way better than we do please teach her um and and you know i don't know about that man those trolls are like the trolls are like Oh, that's magic. Oh, that's spooky. I mean, they're also just like, super and, horny, so maybe they didn't real want horny. the hor- super horny love trolls around their kids. I get yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, hey, that's the thing. Like, can we leave our daughter alone with these horny trolls? Probably not. Yeah. One of the um, uh, one of the things I love and I think that really holds up in this film is um, kind of that it does subvert so many of the, the you know, heretofore known Disney tropes. Um, uh, the one that most repeatedly comes back is the idea that like a true love's kiss is what's going to save the day at the end of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, mm-hmm. they repeatedly kind of like say it's an act of true love that's going to save things. And then everybody just assumes that that means true love's kiss. Um, and so I love that it's not a kiss that does it. It is on a, you know, loving her sister enough to stand in front of the blade that, um, that thaws her heart um, and, and kind of does that. But then also just the idea of, Christoph commentary, uh, Christoph's commentary on like, wait, you, you're saying you want to marry some guy you just met? Yeah. That's crazy. That is a crazy thing. That in mm-hmm. every other Disney <laughs> film is exactly what happens, and nobody ever questions it. Yeah. So um, the fact that like this is a a very postmodern approach to a Disney to Disney story. This is you know a, a Disney or a, a Disney animated film that exists after something like Enchanted, which was another kind of great um, entry in that. Let's take the Disney fairy tale formula and kind of turn it a little bit on its head. Um, and I think that holds up as much, if not more, now, so that we've seen even more, you know, iterations of that in, um, you know, uh, kind of subverting expectations in comic book films and subverting expectations in a Star Wars film with like Last Jedi and something like that. I think I think seeing it in something like Frozen here, um, it's like, yeah, that's that's cool, and it is a story that that is simultaneously building and deconstructing on the what has come before it. I think that like contributes to me becoming a modern Disney fan is like, you know, Tangled, Frozen, Moana, t- Frozen 2, all of these movies a- attempt and subvert expectations of of what you think about Disney and and what you think about these kinds of movies and, and what you think about the hero's journey even like in a more broad sense. I th- I think they they how Elsa like kind of tackles her insecurity and fear and how Moana tackles her insecurity and fear and, and how uh, Rapunzel tackles it. Like it's all, it's all different and, and uh, really nuanced. Mm-hmm. And they like, I love that. Yeah. So many of these characters after you had generations of the princess having to be saved by something or somebody else, 
Um, you you have kind of like there are other factors in their stories, but they are you know strong and independent characters in and of themselves um, is, is something I love getting to see, and I love that it's the kind of thing that you know girls like Quinn are growing up to to experience, and those are the stories that they're being you know exposed to. It, it is hopefully a, a more empowering story um, for. You know the the newer generations of young girls that are going to see these kinds of characters and and you know think uh, in a in a broader in a very broad sense like more you know highly and they're seeing you know other things that they can be as opposed to damsel in distress um, in films. Um, so let's dive into some of our favorite moments uh, of the of the film. Favorite moments, favorite scenes. Also, in particular, on this one, I want to kind of talk about what people's favorite songs are from this uh, film. So, Alex, what's uh, what's your what's your favorite song out of Frozen here? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's probably. So you brought up the the statistic earlier of um, this was like the first what single since Colors of the Wind to hit like top ten or something. Yeah. Um, and when I, I did uh, this, like, was like two years ago, I oh, think. Oh, gosh. This point, I remember. I did, I know I, oh, I did this ranking. Your, your, your ranking? This ranking. Or your, your, your bracket thing? Yeah. I um, love your bracket. Yeah. Uh, that, it was a brutal it was a brutal live stream, folks. Uh, yeah. Somebody from Ubisoft made this Disney song uh, bracket, and I did a stream where I was like, I'm going to get drunk and order pizza, and <laughs> we're going to figure this out. And the two, like, f- semifinal like songs for me were colors of the wind and, and let it go and let it go one. Uh, and at, it's funny now that, that those two songs really stand out. Cause I, I really consider those like kind of timeless. Um, but yeah, I, you know, let it go. Everybody likes that song or hates it, you know, depending on how many times you ask them. Um, but, uh, outside of that, um, coming back to it after, uh, and like, I would say like my real love of frozen one came after I saw frozen two. Uh, like when I was really, really into it, um, probably love is an open door. Weirdly enough, yeah. I to 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 the idea of let it go. I like the analog. I would say is let it go is basically the Shakespeare of this film, where it is. I think the best constructed and best. You know, it it is the power ballad. It is the like uh, the ten o'clock number. It is the most like Broadway musical defying gravity inspired song of this obviously with Idina Menzel mm-hmm. um, and and the problem with Shakespeare is that as as great as Shakespeare is and you know Shakespeare is great everybody thinks they can do Shakespeare and everybody thinks they can do let it go and not everybody can and so mm-hmm. the the just the 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 success of the song and uh, an exposure of the song means you're also going to be exposed to more bad versions of the song <laughs> potentially as well um, oh, just like yeah. just like with bad Shakespeare and stuff so um, I think at its core it is probably the the best song of the of the uh, the film and and the sales numbers and everything seems to kind of support that it's it's you know cultural dominance the fact that you didn't hear that song for four months living in the world in 2013 is is mind-boggling to me uh alex i don't but, get out much um, let's be honest i mean that's no that's fair <laughs> and, and and yeah if, if all you do is listen to podcasts or something it makes sense that it wouldn't necessarily pop up I heard a lot of people talk about um, it but i didn't hear it yeah you know? yeah yeah uh and i mean it, like similarly like I, I came to hamilton like seven or eight months later something like that i had heard 
Hamilton's amazing and I'd heard like people talking about Hamilton but I had not actually heard any of the songs really from Hamilton until I've sat down and just like binged through that album for the next like two months on me but, either but, but yeah. that also makes sense for me <laughs> yeah yeah um so uh so yeah uh, I I can I can appreciate uh let it go uh, and I I also appreciate um love is an open door because yeah even even like rewatching it this time like I just instinctually started singing along to that so, one it's <laughs> like so as it, fun. as it came along it's just so fun. Uh, I, I love singing the the um the Hans part yeah um it is like it is like one of my favorite elements of the film as a whole is the great meet cute dynamics that Anna has with both um Hans and Kristoff mm-hmm. um and and just like that she feel like she's one of the first Disney characters that feels like a normal person having like normal conversations and normal relationshipy stuff, or at least identifiable. I don't like normal. I don't know. I, I'm awkward. She's awkward. I relate to that awkwardness in a way that I don't relate to Aladdin, Jasmine, you know, meeting and, and immediately, you know, hitting it off or, uh, or those kinds of elements. So, um, so yeah, love is an open door is probably one of my, my favorites as well. How about you, Cam? Um, I have to say, uh, horny troll song. Uh, he's a fixer up. I'm joking. That song's terrible. That is a terrible. I song. like that. Song I a like lot. that song. I, hate and that I, song I especially so much. like every time the little kids hop in and, and join in and singing that. I like it's it's just charming and adorable. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like it because it like, like I, it's just noise. Like I don't, I can't discern anything from it. It's just noise. I like it because it it feels like. It, it it is the payoff for everything like that Kristoff all of his like little comments about like all of his friends and family it's like that payoff for mm-hmm. all those comments and it is yeah. delightful it's just so delightful um i my actual favorite two favorite songs out of it um outside of like i think let it go is to say it's like my favorite song out of it isn't right it's the because it kind of stands out from the rest of the soundtrack it is kind of the tent pole feature song. Um, outside of that, I would say my favorite songs are Love is an Open Door, like you guys said. Because um, in my mind, I can see that entire, they're in, like that entire little, like, roundabout song and dance that they do is just so incredible. And it's right at the beginning of the film. And so, it's so fun. Good. It's just so fun. It's just, it's fun. It's, it's fun and it tells you or you think it's telling you about what this relationship is really out of like these are both kind of awkward weird like just awkward weirdos who are trying to give their best impression and they just are matching and you know they're they're synergizing like they they fit each other or so you think um and it's great but the other song i really like is at the very beginning of the film um the kind of like nordic song the yes. uh, the ice carvers sing frozen heart uh yeah frozen yep. heart it's it's such a you it reminds me so much of like really old disney films hmm. like much older disney films where you have like this you know beginning of the of the song, I will say, it, despite the controversy that it's garnered in you know the last you know ten fifteen years, but the beginning of Dumbo, where it's the workers' song, um, like that kind of song, where you have, it feels like there is a a touchstone that they're trying to set a tone for the world before kind of like the fantastical Disney stuff gets flown in. 
before you get like love is an open door before you get um you know do you want to build a snowman you get this song that tells you something about the world like it's a like this is a hard cold world that these men work in um and at the same time you also see little Kristoff and little zven yeah. try to try to like be be big old ice carver men and it's adorable and it, it just it it plays with the idea of like these are are hard folk they're hard people but they have like there is a warmth to them there is something like culturally there's a cultural touchstone to this song that i think just kind of like is a great way to start the the entire film and it pairs well with frozen 2's cultural touchstone song that they use there mm-hmm. um it's it's very good and it if you look at it kind of like as a duology you have the um the people of the kingdom versus the people of northumbra good stark parallels that are like it just it's so cool if you want to think about it that i way. i like it's so cool. i like the frozen art song because it feels like you know, in a very Lord of the Rings way of like kind of like this yes. set dressing for this fantasy, right? It it, it feels mm-hmm. like this, you know, the way it is sung and the way that, that you know these these big men, you know, it's like a bar song or or like a bard's song. Uh, it, it and it is obviously this kind of fairy tale that we're not quite sure how it's going to play into the story yet. Um, it, it's it is that fantastical thing. Um, and, and weirdly like this movie is fantastical, but like the, the grounded story is so human, right? It doesn't feel so fantasy, even though it's literally about magic. Um, and I like that. I, I like this song once we get to see more of the bigger world in Frozen 2 of, of like this world is full of magic, you know, and it's full of fantasy, and like these are one of the myths that that kind of the fro- the myth of the frozen heart like the story of that mm-hmm. uh, gets passed yeah. down. I mean, it also like sets up and introduces basically the themes of the like the idea of the frozen heart is obviously going to come back into play throughout in in multiple ways throughout the uh, the the rest of the film. So um, it does a great job kind of subconsciously setting the stage for the story you're about to experience. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, um, have uh, real quick as a as a kind of a side. Um, have either of you listened to the um, like the the songs or the the soundtrack or even seen if you if you've had the opportunity? I don't think you, either of you have though. Um, the uh, the musical version of Frozen. No, yes. like the stage version. I, I haven't, and I've heard it's really good, and it bums me out that I haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, um, I it's it's we'll see what happens but it's it was scheduled um to come here next season um yeah. as, as part of a touring show and we'll see if that actually ends up happening but um but i've yeah i've listened to it and, and cam you said you have to um i like i'm as i as i'm talking through this i'm like i can't even think of any of the songs that really like it has that expand on this um but that's obviously because i've heard the songs from this so many more times than i have the um the the uh, original version but um, I do love that they do kind of like flesh out some of those elements and um, and and looking at them. Uh, Cam, what are your thoughts kind of on the the musical version of it, if you have any? Um, I have very little experience with it. I've just heard the soundtrack a couple of times. Okay. Um, so outside of it, I was looking forward to actually it coming here, um, back you know when the world wasn't uh, inside out, upside down. Uh, yeah. 
So when it comes to that, like, so my experience with it is it has some really, like, I like the way they kind of expound upon some songs and ideas, but, like, I don't know how it, like, fits together as a musical, so to speak. Gotcha. Very Um, very limited. Alex, have you, uh, and I don't know if they do this on, in the Disney World side of things, um, uh, but, like, in in California Adventure, um, for the last however many years, they've had basically a Frozen stage show. Um, that was basically it was it was basically like the tryout for the eventual Broadway musical, oh, okay. um, uh, and it's it's they run it like three times a day. It's it's like a forty five minute version of the film, um, so it just hits all the the notes. Like everybody packs into a giant you know three thousand seat theater or whatever. They do the show and then they and then everybody you know bounces out. I'm curious if there's a similar thing like that on in the Walt Disney World side of things that you might have been exposed to. There is not a stage show. There is a frozen ride in Walt Disney World, though. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, the uh, um, if you've ever been to Epcot, I don't know if you've been to Disney World. Um, I've not. In Epcot, I, I've, I've, in the yeah. the World Showcase, the Norway ride became the frozen ride, um, oh, and it's like okay. a little, basically walk through the plot. Um, yeah, and there's a part. It's one of the one of those kinds of rides. Yeah, um, there's a little storybook rides, I guess. It's it's the the cool thing is it's it's got like the new style animatronics in it, so they they've got like the the kind of moving faces and all that, and it looks really good. Yeah, um, nice. and I cry on it every time because yeah, that's who I am. The uh, yep. um, it's it's interesting because I sat through the uh, the Frozen stage show in, in California Adventure once, and um, I it it was one of the weirdest theatrical experiences I've had because it's one of the only times I've ever been watching a stage show that had to actually like go on hold because they were doing the sequence of like, um, uh, Anna and, and Kristoff and Sven like escaping the wolves. And so they're on a, they were on a sled, which was clearly supposed to do something that it did not do. So they basically (laughs) had to like pause the show and then like stage hands kind of came out in a in a crowd of like thousands of kids that are like wondering why why isn't the show happening or continuing and like they just kind of like turn into like uh you know a god mike comes out and says we apologize there are some technical difficulties the show will resume momentarily but like they don't have curtains in that theater so all of this like all of the stagehands coming out are just talking to the actors the actors are like completely of dropped character and 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 Christoph <laughs> is just talking to the to the the, the guys in, in in like their their black stagehand outfits trying to figure out what happened or whatever and and eventually they just kind of like skip ahead to whatever like the moment after that happens is and just kind of proceeded on with the show um, but yeah it was just like it was a very surreal thing because like we would have to do that in like rehearsals and even tech rehearsals and stuff when I would do theater, but we never actually had to stop a a full blown like show that we were doing um, to try and like resolve a technical issue we were dealing with. That's so. that's a total against theater like et- like my personal history in theater etiquette. Like the show must go on. Like you keep going, you improv, you go, you like you just roll with it. Yeah. I, so it 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 and that's exactly. <laughs> I, so I don't know. Like the I I think it was supposed to be that the the sled was like supposed to like lift into the air or something. And they were basically supposed to look like they were flying off a cliff or something like that. And it didn't. So yeah, they just had to kind of like skip ahead to, (laughs) to whenever they were done with that sequence. And it was, it was very weird and very surreal. Um, but that's like one of my like frozen live on stage kind of memories. (laughs) Um, and then also I was a few years ago, I was in, um, Colorado for like a work conference. Um, like, and, and Frozen was, it was doing a kind of a, 
uh, a tryout before it went to Broadway version of that show was happening in in Denver, and I almost went and saw it while I was there. Um, but they, I think they like they just didn't have any performances on the the handful of days I was there for the conference, so I couldn't actually take it in. But yeah, I, I too was looking forward to seeing the seeing it like fully fleshed out on stage. Like some of the stuff I have seen of it. Um, they do a lot more to like include like an ensemble of, of characters like the um, I think um, stuff like uh, uh, do you want to build a snowman and um, uh, 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 for the first time in forever has a lot more like of the characters engaging with like the staff of the castle and that kind of stuff and so they have um, much like the 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 supporting cast has a much bigger role to play in the um, in the stage version Um but yeah, it's something I, I look forward to eventually seeing someday, someday, sometime, uh, whenever whenever that happens and we're able to see theater. Again. Whenever, whenever the um, magic so, can happen again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so, well, I wanted to, uh, I wanted yeah, to throw ahead. out because I, I was going back and forth between Love Is an Open Door and For the First Time Forever because I really like For the First Time Forever. Um, mm-hmm. But to to kind of narrow down like some actual genuine moments that I really like and and maybe pull in some stuff people might not know or some trivia that, that I do know. Um, so you'd message me, Trevor of like, do you, if you have any trivia or anything, I was like, I don't know anything about this fucking movie, <laughs> um, which is not true. Um, yeah. And I didn't realize until just now as, as with all things, but um, I really like uh, for the first time forever, just obviously the doors opening the, the symbolism, um, the end of the, the kind of first, uh, verse where she you know the it's you know because i won't be alone she's looking at all the little ducks which are very cute um and i i they kind of i like that moment a lot and i like um when she finally meets hans and and he's like oh who are you you're like you know princess anna she's like oh no i'm just you know i'm just me and i read an interview with um chris and bell for Frozen 2, and, you know, she was talking about Home, which is a, a cut song from Frozen 2 that is very delightful and wonderful. And she says at that point um, in the story originally in Frozen 1, um, she was going to say that she was, oh, she's just the spare. Or when she was going through the town, people were going to be like, oh, who's that? And they were going to say, oh, that's the spare daughter. Um, and uh, Anna originally had a song called Just the Spare, um, which was cut. Uh, of of just her kind of like glass half full in what it's like to be the spare uh, and I just I love that moment and I love that sentiment um, because you, you a lot of the, the movie is focused on Elsa's trauma and obviously it's very important and it, it kind of sends the, the, the plot where it goes but like the, the trauma of like not thinking that you're wanted is like equally as important here. And, and it's, it's that, that this two different uh, extremes of low self-esteem, right? Like you, you get to see multiple sides of kind of a similar issue or, or being looked at through a, a similar lens. Um, but just from two very different personality types uh, of one who, who's like, okay, being alone, but like, you know, it doesn't put themselves around people because of, of what they think of their own self-worth because of, you know, existential situations uh, but another person who's not okay being alone um, because they have this kind of identity of, of low self-worth uh, because of that. You know, they're they're both informed. One was forced to be alone and was okay with it. One was forced to be alone and they're not okay with it. 
uh, and and just kind of the way that those little moments highlight those those little the the issues that that have to come to a head in order for the the story to be resolved. Um, it, it's I, it's really good, you know, like it, it, everything from when, you know, do you want to build a snowman to uh, when Elsa says like you sacrifice your life for me, and Anna just says I love you, and like it it, it all comes around to it, you know, uh, and and. Like, the the same thing I said about let it go like no word is wasted in a lot of cases uh, and I really like that yeah absolutely uh, Cam any other favorite moments from you um you know it's interesting because I made a comment earlier about the film feeling a little disjointed at certain points um it's super re- important for me to remember that when I was doing the unpublished review of Frozen two for that nerdy site um ten out of ten by the way. Uh, yep. um, I did a little bit of research on it and like to understand that it, the the progress that it took to get this film made just period is pretty like especially the last minute changes they did to the third act were really astounding but what I love about it is there and it kind of came about in the post like after the film came out um, there was a theory that kind of got thrown around and one of my favorite things about this film is uh, it's Hans. Hans is such a... Because of the sudden shift in the third act, Hans ends up becoming a villain. Where before it's not really done so much with that. Um, but there was a theory that came out on like after the film came out uh, that was essentially referencing a... Just a really really cool idea that um, Hans is whatever people like he reflects the people around him Um, he reflects what people expect out of Hans Uh, Anna meets him and he becomes awkward and bumbling but good hearted and and like fits totally perfect for her when he's with the nobles, he's, uh, you know, calm, collected, you know, cons- like concerned for Anna, but at the same time, like this guiding hand uh, that the nobles rally around. And then when he is, when he's having to deal with uh, Duke Weaselton's goons trying to assassinate Elsa, um, he's this debonair hero who. Uh, is just like so heroic and so almost like swashbuckler-esque in a way and then at the very end after everything that's happened and you think okay oh here's his true love's kiss this is when like and maybe it'll they'll realize it's not true love because it didn't save her but instead they they twist it by Anna no longer trusts people and she has been betrayed by the person she thought closest to her. So all of a sudden, Hans becomes the the betrayer that she is expecting to see. And his and oh, but just by the way, um, Hans's character, like his entire like that reveal, is so perfect. Like that scene is so well done. Yeah, it's very good. It's it's so well done. Just like a. That, that, like, all of a sudden that shift from I'm your concerned boyfriend slash potential fiancé to 
you are such a sucker. Like, yeah, you the, are like su- the the leaning for the kiss into like, oh, if only somebody loved you. Loved you. Yeah, it's, that's it's, such it a is. Moment. It's so Ooh, yeah. I like I remember seeing that in the theaters um, and and being like, oh, I did not see that coming at all. Well done, well played. Yeah. It, I but, I didn't I totally see it coming th- at all. Yeah. I totally thought it was going to be like a, a Maleficent because Maleficent I think came out before this film, right? Um, the Angelina Jolie. Yeah, Maleficent that one. had uh, been after, I think. Recall. Is it after? I feel like it's like twenty fifteen. Uh, yeah, it was. Tw- it was twenty fourteen. Okay. So yeah, it came okay. after. So this is okay. So looking back on it, this is kind of um, like this is kind of retconning my thought on it uh, because I thought Maleficent came first, but it. I totally thought it was going to be one of those Maleficent moments where, oh, they kiss. Oh, well. Oh, I guess it's not true love. Like, what do you mean? Like, it didn't work. Oh no, what are we gonna do? And then it turns out to be like the sister actual love, etc. Um, I thought that's how it was gonna go. And then for Hans's like character turn, his heel turn, just to being like one of the best. Like, in such a short moment, he goes from being like the prince of your dreams, who you might want Anna to give up so she can be with Kristoff, because Kristoff is awesome to like being just such a, a such a nasty villain such a nasty nasty villain because it's such a good like it's such a good because it's so intimate you know just like everything in this movie yeah. it's amplified because of the intimacy of it yeah yeah if he like there is so any other way they could have done this would have ruined the t- the turn yeah one of the uh one of the other little trivia things is like um, you know, gloves are used to you know hide one's true intentions or whatnot. It's obviously a big motif of the film with with uh, Elsa constantly you know hiding her gloves and stuff, and and Hans is also constantly wearing gloves until kind of in that scene he kind of like um, takes them off to like reveal his true his true self um, is another um, kind of visual um, uh, Easter egg thing that they put in the film. Very uh, yeah, oh, I, like, very dramatically I, puts out that candle too. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I love the idea that um, like I, I don't know if I I buy into the notion of of like him as a reflection of you know oh, um, well, whoever so, he meets or whatever. But the but it, I mean it it does track with the idea that he is the thirteenth um, you know son and had to probably learn how to adapt just to you know get by in the world uh, oh, or or make just, any kind of waves. Yeah. It's not just that. So in the original tale of um, the Ice Queen in the in the mirror is. It's actually not the Ice Queen who's evil. It's the evil mirror itself. Like, the mirror is the problem. The mirror is the villain of the... Like, the, is the kind of, like... I Like, the item villain of... Um, the Like, Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tale. So Hans uh, being a reflective kind of is, entity... And at the very end, when he's alone in the brig, he's despondent. Like, he doesn't, he's, doesn't make any moves. He doesn't say anything. He just sits there still blank like a mirror and it's whether it's intentional or not the fact that you can glean this like these kind of like noticing you can notice these sorts of things from it means that there is something very deep and something very impactful about this film and i think it stands above a lot of other disney films because instead of going for a complicated story instead of going for you know a lot of traditional Disney motifs, especially stuff that they'd fallen into. Like, there are so many films, later Disney animated films in the mid-2000s going into the um, 2010s 
that there is so much busyness in these films. There is so much going on in these films. And while sometimes it works, a lot of times it falls flat. Like, it's more flash than substance. And what was really great about this that I felt like Frozen does what Tangled doesn't do, in, not in a bad way, for either film. Both films are fantastic. Uh, but Frozen is definitely, instead of a big show of animation or characters or, you know, outside of Olaf and maybe Sven, there's not really the, like, the classic Disney, you know, side characters. You have, like, everything is considered a lot more, and it's a much more serious film in a, in a way that I think Disney films hadn't been in a while. Um, it just, it's such a good, like, there are so many great moments, whether it's Elsa and Anna's argument when Anna says, you froze the, like, you froze the ocean, you froze our, like, the kingdom, like, you're, like, you're going to kill everybody. And Elsa having, like, her, their entire dynamic when they're arguing back and forth that leads to her, um, like, slowly murdering her sister uh, is such, like, an awesome moment of, like, real sister baggage. Like, there's real baggage here between these two characters. Yeah. And it's, and the way that they form this argument, neither of them is actually talking about the actual problem that they're arguing about. Yeah. Which is, Elsa is saying, well, I'm free now. Like, I let it go. She's still hiding and not, like, not letting her true self be revealed because she's hiding up in the mountains. She hasn't really come full circle on her, on her revealing herself just because she's alone. She feels she can be open and free, but you really can't be open and free and true to who you are until you're that way around the, the public, in front of people. She's still concealing. Just, she's using an ice palace to conceal her now instead of gloves and an empty castle. That's what I, I really like it with, like, the multiple viewings and, and kind of going back and watching it again and, and again and again and again. Um, and again, uh, <laughs> is, is like the, you know, the love is an open door or like on a, th this, her kind of badass like come to song in her own way because she's so lonely. She's finally found someone. Right. And, you know, also she's at the party. Everything is happening. Everything that she wanted is real. Uh, and then Elsa's let it go. Like they're both wrong. You know, they're both in the wrong mm -hmm. through those, those very powerful cathartic songs but you know like they're not wrong also because that's a, that's a part you know it's a step in the journey of like learning and growing and, and it's 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 great because like those two songs are great but they don't stand alone um as as well as you would want them to they, they're they part of like this this whole journey you know this this whole ensemble that's why like when you do get the the re reprisal of uh for the first time forever and it's it's finally like those two things coming to a point, right? It's them singing at each other, not separate rooms, separate from one another. Uh, it's really you know it's finally happening. Like it, it it ends so poorly, right? And and it's tragic and it's horrifying. But it's like well something has happened, so now we can work on it. Like we can we've broken everything, so we can fix it. You know, uh, it feels like like difficult and it's hard and and like you said, it's it's all this baggage coming out and and all the laundry kind of being hung out to dry. But like you know, you got to do that shit. You got to you got to put in that. You have to have that terrible conversation, um, because afterwards, it can get good again. Yeah, it's it's super. It's incredible because 
Elsa realizes that no matter how much she tries to push away other people, at the very end, like when she's about to be killed by Hans, you know, Anna steps in to save her, sacrificing her entire life for it. And it re and it just awakens Elsa's love for her sister when she realizes no matter how much I've pushed you away, no matter how much I've hurt you, you're still there for me. Yeah. And it's that deep love that ends up saving Anna. But it also, like, they couldn't have gotten to the point where she could have saved Anna if they hadn't gotten to the point where, you know, Elsa realizes the damage that she's done by, you know, hiding herself away. And, like, the entire journey, the hero's journey that Elsa and Anna go on is also built so well around the fact that, like, the reality is, is that these are, this is a broken family. Not only are the parents dead, but before they died, they left, like, a huge burden on both like both of these children when they locked them away from the world like they locked them away from the world at the beginning of the film because they're so like they're such an it's so fascinating to actually peel back and like be like actually no like the parents like sure retconned in the second film a little bit but they fucked up in man. this first film yeah they, they, they seriously fucked up man it's really bad and it, that's like that's and, that's like yeah. the biggest thing and and it's like the it's it's reiterated in like the overcoming the the sins of the past in Frozen Two, uh, of like you know you can make one mistake and it can really fuck up somebody's life, uh, and in this case two people's life lives, uh, and you know there's a lot of repercussions for those things, but it, it's also about like letting go of the past and 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 kind of being brave and and walking into a future even if it's unknown, not you know just like don't carry the the legacy of our parents as as like the the roadmap for our own success, right? Like, it's it's that lesson in a totally different way. It's way more personal, way more real. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like ultimately, the sisters are the solutions to each other's problems, right? Like, love is the solution to Elsa's problem, and her sister is the solution to Anna's loneliness, right? But it's it, it how are we gonna get there? And and I think just the journey is such a trip. It's so it's so wildly different than what you'd think it would be. Indeed. One of the elements that we haven't really touched on a lot that I, I just kind of want to pick your guys' brains about, um, uh, as well as uh, one of the songs we haven't even touched on, is uh, just Olaf in general as, as kind of the comedic relief character mm. who kind of exists outside of the story, um, largely or, or, or whatnot, as well as um, the In Summer song. Um, what do you guys, do you have any like strong feelings one way or another on, on Olaf or that song? It's this is another like you know Olaf in Frozen Two has ruined me on Olaf in Frozen One a little bit, but like he's yeah. he's not in this movie a whole lot. I think he's wonderful and I, I love Olaf with all my heart, um, and mm-hmm. and I I think he is like, uh, just just so wholesome. You know he's so j- earnest in everything that he says. I I love quippy kind of smartass Olaf way more. Um, then, then kind of existential, existentialist <laughs> Olaf in first. Yeah, two. exactly. Yeah. Um, but like aloof, kind of uh, very silly Olaf in this is is very fun. He's just not he's not present a lot. There's honestly not a lot of Olaf in this movie, uh, and it's yeah. it's he weird kind of, to think he, of it he's, like that. He's a waypoint uh, eventually that kind of comes along, and it, it like he's it's it's nice because he's in there as a thematic touchstone to like when they were kids. Um, and and uh, and kind of like I'm Olaf and I like hugs, I like warm mm-hmm. hugs. Um, uh, so the fact that like Elsa kind of m- 
like almost mistakenly creates him in the middle of let it go yeah. um is uh is is uh, is is an interesting like character be- and the the fact that like you see him kind of created and then like you don't like it's uh, it's not a big deal isn't made that he's created in the, in the middle of that song yeah. um and it's it's not even until necessarily going back and like rewatching that you see he gets created in there and then uh, Anna and and Kristoff uh, kind of come across him um but yeah i think i certainly think he He's he's a fascinating character for me because he is the one that is most purely talking to like the children that are you know the the like the five and under crowd that are like coming to this film and and he is kind of a character created almost solely for them, um, uh, and, and that is you know uh, even highlighted in the sequel when like one of his first lines and that is like uh, I see you're all getting a little bit older or something like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. kind of talking to the kids that have grown up with him in the last seven years. Um, Oof, uh, that hits. Yeah. That hits harder. For yeah, <laughs> right. Um, and 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 all of the you know existential questioning and dread that he has in in the sequel. Um, but I it's it's an interesting in summer in particular is a uh, is an interesting song for me because um, again going back to like to Disneyland memories. Um, uh, so I've gone to to Disney uh, and California Adventure a number of times over the last few years with um, uh, friends of the show. Ben Bellevue, of course, from that nerdy site, as well as Lauren Wilson, um, just kind of friend of the community in general. Um, and we've done many a trip to Disneyland. And one of the like uh, the staples of our trips is we always go to uh, a spot in Ca- Disney California Adventure that is basically the Disney Animation Studio. And it's just kind of like a chill area where you can go in there and, and sit. And they kind of have like a 20-minute like um, replay of like different animated you know segments and stuff it'll be it'll show on multiple screens it'll be like here's what the finished project looked like but here's also storyboards of of the element and here's you know in development versions of the stuff and so it's it's just kind of a cool visual animation thing this is also where you can meet um anna and elsa in uh in california adventure is is, that's kind of like their like character meet spot um but they uh among the many songs that they have they have two frozen songs in there they have let it go and they have in summer um, and, uh, and so it's like, uh, my, some of my fondest memories, even though I like this song is largely kind of like forgettable in the context of the film for me. Um, I do have like very fond memories of sitting in there with our frozen margaritas, just hanging out with Ben and, and, uh, Lauren, um, and the many, many times I've, I've been to Disneyland in the last handful of years. So, um, it's, I wanted to, to celebrate the song here at least, um, uh, as, as a little moment. Uh, and it does, I do appreciate it. That it speaks to like his sincerity and naivete it's so funny um, though it's the yeah. puddle line is oh my i gosh. laugh I just... hysterically every time it comes up like <laughs> so funny oh my goodness yeah i oh. just i just remembered my favorite my actual favorite part of that film my legitimately this is my favorite part when Kristoff says i'm, I'm gonna, gonna tell him. him i'm gonna tell him yeah I, yeah i love I, that's that's what i was gonna say i, I love Kristoff's like response to all of this is like like, because we've already seen that Kristoff is that character. He's he's been that character to Anna, and say in in being like the 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 audience person, the snarky audience like viewer saying like that's not how love works. You don't like you can't just fall in love with somebody and you know and 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 you know the first and and want to marry them the first day you met them and that kind of stuff. So the fact that like he kind of continues that thread here with, with Olaf of like you you know what happens in summer, right? And and I'm, I got to tell him. I, I'm going to tell him. Yeah. Um, is, and then is, she goes, she goes, don't you. Dare. Don't you dare. Like, yeah. Don't you. Like, just so perfect. Yeah. 
it's it's a delightful kind of additional character beat for uh for him that is absolutely staying in, in true to you know all of the characters involved I yeah because um, because anna like definitely wants olaf to get to continue believing in magic and whatnot um, but but also uh, so it makes they they fucking get you with olaf because this all happens and then you get to the scene his my favorite moments with olaf are when he's like pulling on a rescuing her from hans and you fucking get to the scene where he's like some people are worth melting for and i'm and oh i'm fucking like oh. dry heave sobbing <laughs> because i wasn't ready for that gut punch that just happened uh even now like i'm getting choked up just thinking about it cuz it's it's so pure and and then you know obviously he gets he gets her out of there and, and saves her and he's he's there for her in this really important moment you know yeah that's uh, one of the things i often talk about when i talk about like elements of film that i love is the like the emotional disarmament that humor provides um like when you have you know very funny characters that then suddenly go through something very real um you it it hits that much harder because you were laughing at them a moment ago and and it takes a it is a seismic shift to go from like the emotional resonance of laughter and humor to like the dramatic tension that you feel in something like that so um absolutely i love that and and like i often talk about it in this in the sense of like joss whedon characters where they're going from quipping and making jokes one moment to being like stabbed through the chest in the next or something like that and i am a leaf on the wind it's that exactly um it, it throwing it back to alan tudyk again um it is that like devastating like punch because you you just physically and emotionally and and physiologically are not prepared for that so absolutely something like that of of olaf this goofy otherwise character suddenly having something that real um hits you in a different way that uh, that it wouldn't if he had been you know more straight laced or something as a character um so i can very fully appreciate that uh the the power behind that like some people are worth melting for yeah um, so yeah, shout out to Olaf um, in this as well. And Josh, um, any Josh other favorite so, moments? Anybody? He's just so yeah. Josh, he's he's somebody who like I I love in like the right amount of doses. Um, he's somebody who can very easily be like such an overwhelming personality that if if there's too much of him, I'm like I I, I need I need a break. <laughs> um, but I think in in stuff like Frozen, he's absolutely like the the perfect amount of Josh Gad. Yeah, he needs um, it. Um, any other favorite moments that we want to highlight before we move on to grading the film? Um, the what's the guy? The very tall man, uh, Oaken. Oaken. Everything about Oaken, oh. how perfect he, he is. He is. Um, he is somebody who uh, that that I thought about earlier when we were talking about it. Um, he gets like a full blown number in the uh, in the stage film. Um, so his his role is is expanded a little bit, and he gets to play like a fun little extra extraneous That's side character fun. that gets a little bit more to do in, in he that, gets um uh, in the stage he gets a, a singing line just one in um frozen fever and it's very good <laughs> nice yeah i'm trying to let me see if i can find what the song is in in the music because uh, uh, yeah it's 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 higa or something like that and it's it's him going into whatever higa means and i don't remember off the top of my head probably sauna um, or something with his fucking whole family in the yeah. sauna is so funny yeah um, I'll see if I can I can do it. But yeah, he's he's delightful and and just yeah the 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 just the wackiness of like his whole family and and even the like we're watching it this time I was like oh I love the I love his little bit of like 
yeah no it costs more because uh supply and demand you see it's <laughs> so uh, uh yeah um, so many so many good like adult jokes in this that are are not over overstated you know yeah uh higa means comfortable higa means cozy higa means sitting by the fire with your cheeks all rosy higa 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 uh, yeah and so it's it, like he just repeats that that word many many times in the in the um it, it, it's like Hakuna Matata is basically like it's that it's that song for the musical, um, but so yeah he gets a he gets a more expanded role in the uh, in the stage play so um, yay for Oaken shout out to him um, good call there yeah Alex uh, anything else Cameron uh no I I've, I've covered all my favorite parts okay except um, for. The, no, when no, when the the sled falls in the ravine, he's like, "I just paid it off." <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. so real. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was uh, that was another um a, a, like a weird little trivia thing that I'd never thought about, so I didn't pull it in for this. But like one of the little trivia notes was like, there was wide fan speculation on how um how his he had a a, a sled that was you know that he clearly would have been using a day or two before this in summer weather. And how was it, you know, so quickly adapted to a winter sled or whatever. And, and they basically like describe like somebody, somebody actually like wrote out a, a, an explanation for it, basically saying like, Oh, it's like a convertible or something like that. It's you, you know, top down, top up. You can easily like switch off the, the treads or whatever to, to switch it between summer and winter weather. Oh. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things like I never even would have thought about. I never would have yeah, thought. I just that, assumed like, it was snowy on the mountain and that's where he it, was at. Exactly. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, it's like just a, another weird little tidbit. But, yeah, just, like Kristoff in general, I love I love even even, you know, the the, the ditty, you know, much maligned little ditty. <laughs> like I, I love that. And I love that, like that he gives that voice to, to Sven and, and that he like so he cr- he basically gets to play two characters um, as a result. And then obviously that will blow up into one of the the great moments of the the sequel when we eventually get yeah. to that and as well. But, just, um, they have such a sweet like, relationship you know yeah and it it like it even through that ditty you get to learn so much about like Kristoff's outlook in the world and that he is like this kind of like loner person who really only relies on 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 uh, sven um and uh and he you know he he doesn't he can't relate to people. He hasn't related to people because, as we eventually see, he's really only dealt with trolls <laughs> pretty much his life, um, or the occasional like traitor that he's dealing with in his his ice trade. Yeah. So um, he he's comfortable with the reindeer, and that's where he's you know he he's he's his home. own flavor of awkward. Um, yeah, um, is it, it would be too uh, if you were raised by by horny trolls. Yeah, I I hadn't even thought about this, but is it? Is it alluded to, and this is probably more of a Frozen Two conversation, but is it is the illusion in Frozen Two that he's probably Northumbrian, North Aldrin, uh, or North Aldrin? North Aldrin. Uh, I think I earlier. It's all right. I, I resisted the temptation, but it came out. I couldn't even control thank, myself. Thank you. <laughs> uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. I think the whole thing is that he was like an orphan trying to like live a life of an adult. And he kind of stumbled into holy horny troll town. There's a I. It, they adopted him because they thought he was so. Cute. If you um, if you look into the other version of Frozen Two, the one that we never saw, uh, a wait what? Uh, a big a big part of the original version of Frozen Two was, um, and kind of like the moment that happens right before, um, one of the cut songs. The I want to get this right. 
Um, essentially, like a lot of the early plot of that movie was uh, Anna and Elsa officially making Kristoff, uh, who was a citizen of Arendelle, a noble, and he was not a noble before, uh, and they make him a noble. You know, he's nobilized, whatever that fucking means. Um, and it's him kind of like realizing he doesn't like that lifestyle and he likes kind of being a regular person and not in the royal courts and all this stuff. Um, but we never saw any of that. So there, there is, I believe he's just an Arendellian, um, but, okay. but to himself. Because, yeah, in, in the recontextualization since Frozen Heart, um, or not even Frozen Heart, the, the, the song, the, the vocal piece before Frozen Heart, um, that plays in this is is brought back in Frozen Two as a North Aldrin song, mm-hmm. um, and so I like in in kind of rewatching this with Frozen Two in mind, I I I look at it, I'm like, are the ice um, kind of farmers mm-hmm. there that you have in singing uh, Frozen Heart? Are those North Aldrins um, in in the you know early days? But I guess that would have still like even that with Kristoff there would have happened after the events of the past times in frozen two. Uh, now, now the timelines are getting yeah, yeah. for me. So I guess they're probably not North Aldrin. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it was just interesting, um, uh, uh, food for thought, but, uh, yes, lots of, lots of great stuff here in frozen. Um, and, and I look forward to kind of continuing on with frozen two, but also, um, one of the things that, that we've haven't touched on here, um, that I, I'm curious cause, Alex, it seems you have watched all of the extended other Frozen things. I'm realizing um, in this conversation, like, I know a lot about Frozen. <laughs> yeah, just offhand, I love it. So, like, I I've seen Olaf's Frozen Adventure because that played because I saw Coco when it was still being played before Coco. Okay, uh, and then there was a, a crazy uproar about it, like people being like, "We came to see Coco. Why do we have to sit through this twenty? like this this episode long um it's 22 know, minutes olaf yeah, it's short so it's exactly weird. it's like i remember seeing it being like oh th- yeah they're doing it as a as a short here before coco but this is clearly something they're going to play on like abc family every christmas to you know like here's a half hour frozen special that is just olaf celebrating the holidays or whatever um so i've seen that one i have not seen frozen fever which is the the other frozen one fever uh, the other big Short. You, you should after this is over immediately after you should go watch frozen fever it's on okay. uh if the if the disney um shorts animated shorts collection is still on netflix which i believe it still is it is uh it's yeah it's that's so that's the last one in yeah that, that, so one of exactly one of the um uh so like uh, jumping ahead to the extra credit section of of this um where i kind of run down here other things to watch uh that's one of the things that that jumped out was that because of like pre-existing deals, um, Frozen Fever is still um, available on Netflix and not Disney yeah. Plus. I've watched um, it many uh, times since Disney Plus has launched because you know you got to go watch Frozen One, then Frozen Fever, then Olaf's Frozen Adventure, then Frozen Two. You got to have the full. <laughs> yeah, afternoon. It's, I didn't even know. I didn't even know it was a thing. Really, like it, I just it had passed me by or whatever until reading about the um post credit sequence of Frozen 2 where a whole bunch of like the I guess the sneezy ice things yep. or whatever are featured in there with marshmallow yep. um uh and so I was like oh it, like th- it's like oh and these these guys were you know 
things created in Frozen Fever, and I was like, "What the heck's Frozen Fever?" So, so, so w- uh, one of the the things we we talked about was like how there's no kind of song in the last act of Frozen, and for me, like there is there there's the moment where Elsa like kind of has her epiphany and realizes how to how to fix this um, with Anna there, and and the music that plays there always makes me cry. Just the score there. Um, just because mm-hmm. it's so beautiful and, and the visuals of everything kind of coming together. And then uh, for the first time in the movie since they're kids, uh, Anna and Elsa hug, and it's just the sweetest thing. And that's also when I cry. I mean, it's just a long, it's a, it's a very long cry <laughs> uh, from Let It Go to the end of the movie. <laughs> he, he hears the beginnings, like the opening of Frozen Heart, and just tears Yeah, just starts start, streaming. And they don't it's stop. just, yeah. Um, I just, I dry out like a prune by the end of it. Um, but that, like I, that moment is so beautiful and it's like, oh, I want more of that. Frozen fever is the payoff for that. Right. It's, it's frozen fever to me is the payoff for frozen, the movie. Right. It's, it's Elsa like giving on, just pouring love into Anna's face. Just like, I love you so much. Here's a gift. Here's this. I'm a huggy here. We're gonna go listen to music and then we're gonna go see this. And then, you know, she gets sick and, and it's a very sweet moment with the two of them. Um, it's, it is essential, mandatory viewing. If you liked Frozen 1, you have to watch Frozen Fever because it'll make you like everything about Frozen more. All right. I will, I will be sure to add it to my... I, I will sit like down and watch it minutes. after this because I have not it's actually sat down with it. or something. Maybe not. Yeah. yeah. It's so short. Yeah just a quick little scene or like it's one song it's like a five minute song with a little bit before and a little bit after uh and that's it and it's it's just delightful it's so so fun yeah i think i i think that might be like why i didn't try and seek it out uh when i found out about it because i remember i i had been burned in olaf's frozen adventure which is like six new songs or something like that all of them completely forgettable the only thing that's like memorable is when they have like an instrumental interlude of do you want to build a snowman (laughs) it's like oh that's a song that we loved and then you have like 20 minutes of things that are just not i love all the music Um, in a lost frozen adventure the last song in a lost frozen adventure so weird makes me (laughs) jeez what the heck just just wrecks me all right. Weirdo. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Olaf's well, Frozen Adventure Rex. Uh, that is that is all you need to know about. That, that yeah, that is, that is a throw that into your three things you need to know about Alex O'Neill. Oh, Olaf's <laughs> like, Frozen Adventure. Is, I didn't think oh. that would be weird. I like. I think it's very cute. <laughs> I, I I think it's no, cute. No, no, I just, not I, that I you don't... like it. That you cry. The last the last song in Olaf's Frozen Adventure is so sweet. It is like. The, one of the most sweet songs and it's like the only actual duet between Anna and Elsa in the whole everything it's the only real song that they sh- they sing together okay well yeah we'll, we'll definitely have to bring you back re-listen for, with for fresh for ears just that song episodes <laughs> I think I okay. I think I think what I'll end up having to do. Obviously, we'll we'll have you back on for a Frozen Two episode, but then maybe we'll do a combo episode of uh, Olaf's Frozen Adventure and uh, Frozen Fever to round out the Frozen trilogy of that D Plus show episodes. Sure. Um, uh, so we will we will. As long as you guys don't trash talk down the line. my Olaf's Frozen Adventure vibes, uh, then then I'll show uh, up. Uh, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what right, happens. Well, yeah, we will see. <laughs> I, I mean, the trade-off will be that you get Frozen Fever, which, based on how you've described it, I'm sure we. Yeah, it's love. it's very good. Uh, it's hard not to love Frozen Fever because it is so to the point, you know. Yeah, 
Uh, so let's let's go ahead and uh, and hit the report card. Uh, so this is where we rank uh, or we grade the the offering from an A plus to F. Um, so where would we grade here the original Frozen? Uh, Alex, I'll throw it to you first. I have a sense I know, but uh, what are you gonna hit, what are you gonna give? Uh, the original Frozen is an A minus. A minus. Okay, that's actually lower than I than I would have anticipated. I was back and forth between an A or an A minus. I, th- I, you know, like if Frozen Two is an A plus, which it is, spoilers, um, mm-hmm. because it's a ten. Um, then yeah, I, I think Frozen has like a little bit of that awkwardness that I talked about, and um, and and a lot of it works for me. Um, but like also the the kind of last act being devoid of music in a in a meaningful way of like I think there there would have been a way to kind of musicalify frozen in a in a better way but it would have been hard when you had to kind of change how the last act came together so i understand why it is the way it is but um when you look at frozen 2 and how like the songs in that are placed and how it's like to me frozen 2 is paced perfectly music to moment um that it, it really stands out how not that frozen one is but even still i think it's stellar yeah, the 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 again going back to the stage play, there are, I think three or four songs or something like that 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 are added in after Fixer Upper, um, that kind of musicalify the uh, the end of the 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 story. So, um, you know, maybe maybe when you eventually see that, that'll help kind of remedy some of your issues with the uh, the third act yeah. there. But um, I, I can appreciate an A minus. How about you, Cameron? Uh, funny enough, A minus. I was thinking about it. I. I've been tiltering between a strong B plus and a weak A um, to the point where I think like an A minus really fits it pretty well. Um, I kind of decided after watching it uh, a couple days ago. So overall, I like it's it's a solid A for me or A minus for me. Sorry. Okay, this is interesting because I like I I put it firmly in an A camp, um, uh, and and I I certainly don't think I have like the deep the deepest love of the three of us, but I also am not as bothered by the, uh, the kind of the critical issues of it, um, uh, that you you guys have, have kind of raised and, and introduced. Um, I maybe in large part because of my, you know, uh, very theatrical background where I'm used to a lot of these kinds of things just being part of the nature of, of storytelling and how do you wrap up a, a musical? It's it like, it, in the history of musicals, most musicals have a heart, like have a, a point where you'll hit like, okay, like to wrap up this story, we can't do it all that effectively through song. So we're going to switch to dialogue for, for like the last half hour of the show or something like that with maybe a smattering of a reprise or something like that. Um, so it's, it's just something that it, I'm, I'm, I feel like, I guess I'm much more comfortable or used to. So, so yeah, it, it gets an A for me. Um, uh, but I appreciate that that you guys um, you know have uh, have those those issues and raise those issues because they uh, they certainly are there. I don't I don't refute them at all. Um, so let's dive into some extra credit. As I touched on, these are the other suggestions. If you like Frozen, here's what else you can check out um, from the Disney Plus side of things. Obviously, Frozen Two is out there as well as Fro- uh, Olaf's Frozen Adventure. Uh, I'm curious, Alex, if you if you've gone so no, far down the Frozen no Lego hole that you've no checked Lego. out, no, you've not checked out Disney Lego Frozen. Northern I did Lights. consider it. There was a dark period where I was very depressed, and I was like, maybe something new Frozen will help me. But then I just watched Frozen Two again, and that helped better. So <laughs> that's fair. 
Oh, also, before we move on, um, what are everybody's thoughts on Frozen uh, and Let It Go being recreated in uh, in Kingdom Hearts 3? I want you to know I was absolutely losing my entire shit. <laughs> when, when oh, that I, I, mean, I mean, I don't doubt it at all. Like... I mean, most of that game, I imagine you were absolutely losing yeah, your true. shit. But when that when that sequence came up in and and then just like plays out pretty much in its entirety, when, when, they, when the, I was we just were like, like a minute in, I was like, "There's no way they're doing the whole thing." And then they just did the whole thing. <laughs> and then they do the whole so thing. Great. Yeah, I, like I came across that. I was like, "This is such a weird choice," and I bet Alex is loving every absolutely. second of it. Yeah. The entire time I was going through that frozen world, I was like, "Alex must." Be I was it like the the best thing is like you you get you know you get to run around the North Mountain, you get to hang out with Olaf, uh, but you also get like a kind of traditional dungeon which Kingdom Hearts has never done, which I I really like that whole part of it as well. You know, it was it was hitting on all mm-hmm. cylinders for me. Very cool. Um, elsewhere in the extra credit, you have Moana uh, and Tangled. Um, coming from the Disney animated side of things. Uh, then you have Brave from Pixar, uh, another strong female protagonist there, so makes sense. Uh, and then rounding out uh, the Disney animated side, you have Zootopia and Wreck-It Ralph um, kind of being the Disney recommendations. Um, but I also threw in here, um, uh, this will be for two reasons now, actually. Um, so first, I was like, I, I, I try and check into this when... Um, when it's a Disney film that was theatrically released um, and had a short playing before it. And so the short film that played before Frozen in theaters, um, and I remember this was like a big thing because it was like a return to kind of their 2D animation coming back. Uh, it's a it's a Mickey Mouse short called Get a Horse. Um, and it was, I think it's even, if I remember correctly, it's even like it had it had been recorded and like audio had been done for it back in like the Walt Disney days uh, and then it like it just never made it to fruition or something and got like remastered effectively it got like revived from the dead if i'm remembering correctly i might be i might not be at all it might i might be making some of this up but get a horse is uh is the frozen short um and i was like looking for it i'm like why can't i find this on disney plus and that led me down the rabbit hole to discover that it is part of the Walt Disney Animation Studios short films collection um, that we touched on earlier, uh, and that is currently still available on Netflix due to pre-existing pre-Disney Plus deals. So you can check that out there, as well as uh, as part of that is Frozen Fever. So um, go check out that on Netflix if you want both the like full. Here's what it was like watching this in theaters. You can go watch Get a Horse beforehand, uh, and then if you want to get that uh, that extra little tidbit of Alex love for Frozen Fever, you can go check that out um, in that collection on Netflix. Extracurriculars. What else are we watching on Disney Plus? Anything, Alex? You watching anything else on Disney Plus these I, days, I, or just is it just your Frozen kind of? I just vehicle? don't watch TV, so or anything really. Uh, I just have time for one vice, and it's video games, y'all. Um, yeah, fair. I you know, I I own Frozen Two, so I don't typically watch it on uh, Disney Plus. Funnily enough, but I will. I'll boot it up. I'll, I'll jump in and watch Frozen One every now and again. There, that's that's it really. Cool. <laughs> Olaf's Frozen Adventure yeah, just I'd... to spite you guys. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I uh, it just remind me one of the stories I wanted to tell was um, I got to see Frozen Two. Uh, we tried to get um, Belinda Garcia, friend of the show and friend of all of us, on because I got to see Frozen Two with her and with Joey Noel when I was in San Francisco like late last year. Um, I just happened to be out there for a work conference um, 
uh, and uh, it was the time that that movie was coming out, so we all went and saw Frozen two together. And in the lead up to that, I like that was uh, I sat down and rewatched Frozen for like one of the first times, probably since it, it had come out or whatever. Um, actually, no, I'd probably seen it a couple times since then, but um, I rewatched it there um, while I was like in my San Francisco hotel. Um, and so it was delightful getting to kind of like get refreshed on that before going in and seeing the sequel with friends. Um, so shout out to, to Belinda and Joey Noel and, and all of our other friends out there in community land. Um, Cameron, you watch anything else on Disney plus? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> not right now. No. Okay. Um, uh, I just, I've been dealing with computer issues for like five days. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I, uh, so yeah, I'm not watching anything on I don't think I'm watching anything on Disney Plus, but in a like in in related in this vein, I'm going to throw it in here. I'm watching um, Avatar now that it's on Netflix. Avatar: The Last Airbender. I'm watching that for the first time. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, I haven't seen your. First, I forgot it was your first time. Yeah, um, two seasons into that now, so um, it's a real good show. I get why people yeah. like that show. Um, really enjoying it. So, um, are you gonna? Cool. Are, Check you, are you thinking about if, watching Korra afterwards? Uh, yeah, I mean that. Like I, I so. I've, like I'm watching Avatar because I'd always heard like Avatar's great, Legend of Korra is even better, um, and so I just eh. uh, I, okay. <laughs> well, Cameron aside, I've heard people say Legend of Korra is even better. Um, uh, so uh, I, yeah, I plan on watching both of them. Um, I don't is Legend of Korra already on Netflix, I, uh, or I am I gonna have to go so. find You'll that somewhere else? It down. I don't know. Okay, um, but yeah, so since since Avatar came to uh, uh, to Netflix, you know, a week or two ago, I was like. All right, everybody's been talking about this thing for years and years and years. I've got so so little else to do during quarantine, so I will absolutely throw on Avatar and, and sit down and watch it and uh, see if it hooks me, and it has hooked me. Um, so really enjoying that show. It's a great um, show to binge. I remember yeah. like watching that show week to week yeah. as a youngin was just torture because I, I was oh, so I hooked. Well, because seasons were so... It's tough They took because, a like, lot of mid-season breaks, out, you know. They, yeah, they're like not even mid season, like you'd get like three episodes every like nine months. Yeah. It was a until like that last season and then they they even like didn't even publicize that when the finale was gonna be. People had to guess and speculate when the finale was gonna be Nickelodeon. It was the Wild West back in like two thousand two. Whenever that was. It was it was two thousand seven is when the series great, came out. Great. Or it started coming out. I felt like yeah. a yeah. million years older than that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, that's what, like, because people have been like, oh, this is your first time watching? I was like, yeah, I was, like, 2007, I was already almost done with college at that point. <laughs> like, if I had if I had graduated on a normal four-year track, I pretty much would have been done with college by the time Avatar came out. So, um, right. so yeah, it, I, I was I was well past my, like, nin, uh, Nickelodeon watching days at the time. So Freshman um, year of high school Yeah, it was my me. first time really hopping yep. back into it. Yep. Never. Oh yeah. I, I know I'm I'm I know I'm infinitely older than all of you. <laughs> uh again, like I was 28 when Frozen here came out, so <laughs> yeah, that's it's there's nothing new for me. Um sure. Well, cool. Uh that's going to do it for this week's episode of that D Plus show. Easily our longest one so far. Thank you, of course. I have a reputation to uphold after invited, all. I, I yeah, I knew it was it's, going to be when I invited you on. It's a very layered. So thank you for not disappointing. It's a deep movie. It's layered. I have a lot of feelings about it. You know, I had a lot to say. People are going to come in Absolutely. here and be like, "Well, this guy's just talking out his ass about a kids movie." No, listen, go watch it. The mirror thing is real. Hans is a mirror. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. I see it. 
I see it now. Thank you guys for showing love, showing me the light. I will not love is I will an open dispute. Love is anymore. an open door straight into a mirror. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. So thank you guys for joining me to, to discuss Frozen here. We will absolutely have uh, have this panel back, and uh, maybe possibly Belinda if we can get her on for Frozen Two uh, if, if her schedule frees up in the future. Um, and then yeah, we'll do, we'll do one of the one for the the one offs as well. Um, so you can follow Cameron at Rev Cabot. Anything you want to shout out, Cameron? Nah, I'm good. You all right? Uh, you can follow uh, our friend Alex here from Rational Passions at uh, is it? Do you go Alf Fighter Twenty Seven? Al Fighter Twenty Seven uh, or at Irrational Pod on Twitter. Anything you want to give a plug to or shout out, Alex? Um, we're doing a lot of a lot of streams right now. Irrational Passions is so Twitch.tv forward slash Irrational Passions. I'm trying to stream once a week. I'm, I've been playing a game called Tomba. Uh, which mm-hmm. is a really weird PS1 game. It's been super fun to watch people show up and be like, what the fuck is this game? Uh, it's a classic is what it is. It's a straight up It is banger. a banger. It's a club banger. It's like a Metroidvania before that was even a genre type thing. Uh, it is cool. It's got a lot of personality. But we're also like, we, we've been doing a lot of Sea of Thieves streams. We've been, uh, uh, Mike's been playing PSO2. Um, now it's out on PC. Um, a lot of different stuff. So yeah, go check out our Twitch channel. That's of the things that we've been doing a lot of during quarantine. That's probably number one. So if you're looking for something like that, go check it out. Yeah, I caught a, I caught one of the Animal Crossing streams that you guys did a while back when you were bouncing around each other's islands and doing like little tours and stuff. And and I think I think it was on Mike's island where I saw he had kind of the um, like the the stepping stones that he yeah, like yeah I remember you were river. like I'm taking that and idea. I was like <laughs> I, I, I absolutely did and and it makes getting around my island so much easier. <laughs> um, yeah. So very appreciative yeah. of that. Um, uh, yeah, uh, go check out uh, everything that Irrational Passions does. Um, Great, great group of people over there. Um, give them support and love, uh, and thank you again for for joining us, Alex. Oh, that's fine. Uh, you can follow me over at Trevor J Starkey on Twitter. Uh, I don't really have anything in particular to shout out outside of you know our our ever growing network of uh, of podcasts. We're up to we're up to six here now, <laughs> Alex. Already in in our first six months. So, yay! We're I guess we're going the OK Beast route of things. Nice, nice. It's, um, yeah, it's one or the other. You know, it's uh, OK Beast or IP. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, so our our most recent, our newest uh, acquisition, heavily inspired by uh, Rational Passions, former podcast input, uh, we have that news you care about, uh, which is Logan and I sitting down every week and uh, and discussing some of the biggest gaming news stories of the week, um, uh, with you know a, a, an occasional revolving door of guests. So come check that out uh, as our newest show. You can follow all of the latest from us over at. Uh, thatnerdysite.com or you can follow that nerdy site on Twitter at that nerdy site. If you would like to be on the show, you can go to thatnerdysite.com slash D plus guest and let me know what Disney plus offering you would like to chat about. There's a little Google form there you can fill out. Uh, if you liked what you heard, please like rate review, subscribe, share the podcast with your friends and all that fun stuff. And if you do feel so inclined, you can always help support us. Keep the lights on over at patreon.com slash that nerdy site. It's not keep the lights on so much as just keep us paying the monthly Libsyn hosting fees. Cause uh, for for six podcasts that does start racking up uh, a monthly rate so uh, you can support us over there and help us out uh, but thank you uh, again gentlemen for joining me thank you listener for joining us as always stay nerdy be good to each other and class dismissed <laughs>